Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Well, here we are again. Pat, did you get any sleep at all last night? Uh, I got a little bit of sleep, Jane. I'm doing okay today. Uh, (laughs) It's a cold Saturday in Maryland. About what? 35 to 40 it was 32 today. this morning when i when i got up to take my dog out i slept in i got up at 6 18 <laughs> so yes, well because of last our night, that movie was really good so yeah, was, it was good was to good. stay up until 11 30 last night to watch the movie and i'm hoping that those of you who are are who are attendees on zoom had a chance to watch or listen to or watch the movie last night the harriet movie and Today at four o'clock, we have a presentation from the Harriet Tubman Museum, and then we get to find out um, how much of that movie was real. I mean, how much was accurate. Um, So that should be fun. So we have a full day planned um, today. Uh, Our committee has worked really hard to to get new presenters this year. Um, I think only one presenter is a duplicate from last year but not definitely not a duplicate because uh, we always like to hear from our library so um so that's that's a um we always look forward to that every year um should we go through what's what's on today's schedule you think well maybe a couple things before we do that jane um first it's good to be wide awake and here this morning so uh yep. thanks to everyone who's going to be joining us today i think we did we did well last night. I'd like to thank the uh, members of the uh, Convention Planning Committee. Jane, you want to go through those names? Okay. Um, Well, you and I are on the committee, and Meryl Schechter is our Convention Committee Chair. We have Glenda Blanchard, uh, Wrangler Extraordinaire. (laughs) Uh, We have Peggy Clark, who gives us information about low vision issues. And we have Ray Razor, who you'll hear from this evening. Uh, He's a local radio personality and a member of our chapter. And uh, he will be our auctioneer. So uh, the committee works really well together. And and we we had a great time putting together this convention for you this year. Absolutely. And of course, then you'll know if if something blows up, whose uh, fault it is, this committee. Guess, and whose right? fault is it? There's six <laughs> of us here right. to go around. So. The other but thing, actually, the other group, other we group can't like blame Pat for that because you know what, everyone? Today is Patrick Sheehan's birthday. So oh, yes. uh, we appreciate the fact that he gave up his birthday to be with us all day long. So um, did you buy a piece of coconut cake? No, Giant? but I would sure like one. There you go. I think oh, I, I might try to do that on Sunday. Yes. Happy Sunday. birthday, Patrick. Hey, thank you. Appreciate <laughs> yeah, it. Thanks. You're welcome. So, uh, and also I'd like to thank uh, ACB Media. Uh, without them. Without we whom would, we could not have functioned. No, absolutely not. And, so. uh, you know, it's been seamless and uh, just a real professional job. So thank you guys, all the work that you're doing. This is working great. All we have to do sit here jane is is talk and uh and talk and worry worrying is my job (laughs) i get to worry about whether all the presenters come in on time and i've been doing that all week long Mm -hmm. and i think at the end of this convention i'm going to sigh a a big sigh of relief 
And, but everything should be fine. We've talked to everyone. So there's really no reason for me to worry. So, um, You've done but that's that well. what I do. So yeah, I do. I do. I worry very and, well. And I do color commentary and you provide things like what the agenda is going the to detail. be for the day. And then also the, and the uh, sponsors sponsors. Let's talk Let's about do that. the sponsors. Okay. Um, we had several people donate additional money. Uh, beyond their registration fees. Uh, and um, the sponsors, the people who donated extra money, in no particular order, they're just in the order that they gave them, uh, are Tamara Rory, Jane Tolino, Barbie Keene, Gary and Shirley Messman, Glenda Blanchard, Kathy Brandt, Robin Hughes, Norma Service, Susan Crawford, Meryl Schechter, Beverly Thompson, and Patrick Sheehan. And thanks so much to, to everyone who has registered and everyone who has donated um, sponsorship money. And of course, I'm the treasurer of the uh, ACB of Maryland. So my hand is always out for money for wherever I can get it, you know, <laughs> for, for the organization. So um, treasurers do that kind of thing. So I enjoy that. Oh. That's great. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for being so generous and working with us and uh, also putting up with uh, all our phone calls and, and the inquiries and all of that, putting this together. We appreciate <laughs> that. Talk. Uh, let's. What's the uh, morning look like? What's the day look like, Jane? OK, the day. The day looks cold outside. I can tell yeah, you that. A- um, OK. At nine o'clock, we have a welcome from our our hardworking uh, president, Joanne Cusick. We will hear from her. Then after that, we have the updates from our uh, Maryland State Library for the Blind and Print Disabled. Uh, our director is John Owen, and Ashley Biggs is is a, a librarian there uh, working with, with um, seminars and, and things like that that we have. Uh, at 10 o'clock, we have a wellness panel um, with all things... Um, uh, prescription labeling and COVID testing and, and all sorts of interesting and fun things like that, that we now, we never had to think about before. Um, 11 o'clock, we have more door prizes. And after that, we have a health and wellness panel um, with, I believe we're going to have to get up and do some exercises during that panel. So um, be ready for that. Uh, I believe Leslie Spoon is going to make us get up and do things, <laughs> jump around, and, Absolutely. And whatever. I don't know, but that's that. That'll be fun. Then at noon, we have a mobility and beyond panel. We have two um, mobility, um, uh, orientation and mobility um, specialists. And uh, Diane Ducharme will be back to talk about the WeWalk. And um, then uh, at one o'clock, we have the recreation panel. We're going to talk about dragon boating and kayaking and horseback riding and all sorts of wonderful activities that you may not want to do at this time of the year. But when it gets warmer, we may want to have fun doing those kinds of things. After that, we have door prizes. And one day I'm going to win one. Um, I never do. Um, at two o'clock, we have the employment rehabilitation and education panel. And we have, uh, well, we were going to be talking about rehab and employment and education. Um, three o'clock, at, uh, the next two presenters are Maryland things. We're going to inundate you with Maryland history and Maryland um, 
facts and, and, uh, and that kind of thing. So um, at three o'clock, the Annapolis Maritime Museum. Um, it's really interesting to think about um, that Maryland was, was where the Star Spangled Banner was written. So I don't know whether uh, Tracy will talk about that, but, but there's a lot of history about shipping in the bay and all sorts of things. At four o'clock, uh, we have uh, a presenter from the Harriet Tubman Museum, and then we get to find out how accurate that movie was last night. So um, that, that will be a very interesting presentation. Then we have door prizes again. My next chance to win something. Maybe. <laughs> oh, boy. Then at five o'clock, we have a low vision panel. Then we have talking about technology and support and daily living skills from a low vision perspective. And then after that is our virtual banquet. And since we're not all together eating rubber chicken, uh, we are going to go around the room. And if anybody wants to say what they're eating during their uh, dinner hour, their pre their, their banquet time, you can go and, and tell us what you're eating. Uh, we did that last year and it was fun. Then we have our banquet speaker, Tamara Rory, uh, who will be talking, uh, I believe the title of her presentation is the trichotomy between race, uh, disability, and gender. And then after that is the auction. Um, now, Marilyn, we, we have fun with our auction. We yell at each other and for bidding against each other and, and that kind of thing. So we get a little bit rowdy. Uh, so we welcome all other rowdy auction bidders um, to, to join us. And we have, we had 46 um, auction items. I've, I've bundled some of them together to make it go a little bit faster. Um, but we still have like 40 auction items here and some, some big ones, some little ones. So um, that should be a lot of fun. And then after that, we are done. So, <laughs> so <laughs> that'd be, and then we'll start planning next year's convention. So we think, so uh, yeah. So that should take us to about maybe nine o'clock or there about nine o'clock. Yeah. Nine o'clock nine or o'clock. maybe a little after that or whatever. So we're looking forward to a good day and we appreciate uh, certainly appreciate all of you uh, joining us today and then also our presenters. Uh, and so uh, I think it's a good group. Yeah. And, well, uh, it's, um, it's about one minute nine. Should we um, start with our um, introduction of our president, Glenda? I think we're ready up. to go. You're up. Yes. Um, can you all hear me? We sure can. Um, I'd like to welcome Joanne, our president, the president of um, the American Council of the Blind of Maryland, and to speak to us um, uh, today, get us started, and uh, and I, and and I look forward to, to it. Thank thank you all very much. Thanks so much. Joanne? Here I am. Can everybody hear me? Here you are, Madam President. Well, um, I want to, on behalf of ACB of Maryland, I would like to welcome everybody, um, whether you're you're attending on Zoom or listening on ACB Media. Um, I am Joanne Cusick, the President of ACB of Maryland, and I want to welcome all of everybody and say welcome to all the panelists as well. 
We have a jam packed, a day jam packed with information. We hope everyone enjoys it. And um, I'm going to go drink my coffee and uh, so enjoy the day, everybody. Thank you. You're welcome. Wonderful. Thanks, Thank you so much. You're welcome. Well, and Patrick, happy our... birthday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. We'll Appreciate to, it. We'll have, to plan, we'll have to sing Pat happy birthday somewhere in here. In there. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that would go on Zoom. It would sound sort of funny. It would be. It would, it sound would be. Funny. Yeah. Well, well it's either. time for our first presentation, I think. And we in Maryland are very fortunate to have a really nicely, efficiently running and and uh, uh, um, a good with a library with with the caring staff and competent staff. So we really are, are blessed here. So um, our first present presenters are uh, John Owen, the director of the Maryland State Library for the Blind and Print Disabled, and Ashley Biggs, an outreach librarian um, at our library. So uh, feel free to tell us what's going on at the library. Thank you so much, Jane, and top of the morning to everyone. And happy birthday, Patrick. Happy birthday to you. To you. <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> it is good to be with you again. Uh, and um, I just want to say on behalf of Irene Padilla, of the State Librarian, uh, the Maryland State Library Agency, of which we are a division, uh, the Maryland State Library Board, and the staff of the Maryland State Library for the Blind and Print Disabled, uh, I thank you for this opportunity to address the American Council of the Blind of Maryland. Uh, a good partner for us uh, at this annual conference. Um, I'll hit uh, kind of the, the highlights overall, and then Ashley uh, is going to tell you about uh, some of the programs that we've done, are doing, and uh, programs to come. So um, I guess the, the big thing to really start with us, uh, I reported to you last year in the midst of a pandemic, and it's now been almost two years that COVID-19 has affected our operations uh, the LBPD staff has sent out materials every day throughout the pandemic. Uh, in July 2021, we reopened our doors to the public. Uh, all staff are now working in a hybrid telework model, uh, combining time working from home with time on site at the LBPD building. Um, this has improved our response times on the reference desk. It sees the burden on our technical services staff uh, by rotating in more staff to assist with preparing the daily delivery and processing our book and equipment returns. By the way, those technical services staff pretty much were here every day during the pandemic. So a big shout out to that, to that group, um, you know, Larry Smith, Shirley Roan, and Patricia Bennett, um, who really have, uh, have, have uh, kept that core operation going. Um, this hybrid telework model has enabled us to implement the books on demand service model to get our patrons more of the books they want. And I'll tell you more on that in a bit. And it's also rejuvenated our connectivity and our planning and our decision-making as a staff. In January, 2022, we did reduce staff on site in response to the Omicron variant, but um, we are again, open to the public and uh, welcome you to visit our library. And of course, you can also engage with us through BARD and through our virtual programs and through materials that are sent to you. Uh, the other issue that I'll just be upfront about is we've dealt with mail issues throughout the pandemic. 
after delays in late 2020, which I shared with you last year, uh, we experienced even more acute mail delays in April and May of 2021. Um, actually, in July of 2021, Rania Dima and Sharon Maneki appeared before the Financial Services and General Government Appropriations Subcommittee in the U.S. Senate, uh, chaired by Maryland Senator Chris Van Hollen, uh, in testimony on review of the Post Office Inspector General's appropriations. Mrs. Dima and Ms. Maneki spoke about delays in free matter mail delivery, not just for the Library for the Blind, but for critical instructional supplies for learning Braille from a number of sources. Uh, so despite the fact that complaints we hear about mail delivery have decreased during the fall of 21, we are again hearing about significant delays from our patrons and seeing fewer returns being delivered back to us. Uh, so this is an issue that needs to stay at the forefront of our thinking. Uh, what LBPD has heard anecdotally from postal workers, patrons, and stakeholders was that when the understaffed post postal service was faced with overwhelming delivery demands, they made triage decisions. And those decisions often included treating free matter not as first-class mail, but as mail that could wait. And this is not just pandemic crisis thinking. This is a lack of understanding of the policies around free matter and the critical need for materials to get out to our patrons in the most efficient manner. So we continue to work with our postal liaisons and with the help of our partners like you and the friends of the Library for the Blind and Print Disabled to keep this issue as a priority. And just for your information, in the last week, WJZ did a story on postal issues of, uh, for free matter. Uh, it featured Senator Van Hollen and Rania Dima, and uh, they also stopped by our library to see materials uh, that we send out. Um, so those appear in the in the uh, video. Um, I, you know, I was uh, interviewed, and some of my remarks appear in the accompanying article to that video, which is available on WJZ's website. Um, during this time, during this past year, we launched Books on Demand. Uh, we did pilot testing in November of 2020, but by February of 2021, we were putting all new patron applicants uh, who requested digital materials to be sent by cartridge um, to Books on Demand. Uh, to date, we have over 1,400 patrons being served by Books on Demand. Uh, so what does this mean, uh, if you don't know? For those of you who get books on cartridge from us, you have for many years been getting one book on one cartridge. So if you ordered 10 books, they would come to you on 10 cartridges. So sometimes all the copies would be checked out or lost and you would have to wait for a book to come in so we could send it to you. So that's frustrating, especially if you wanna read, say, books in a series. Uh, so, but what if the books were always available? And what if you could put a variety of books or a series of books in order on one custom cartridge? There would be fewer cartridges to keep track of and you wouldn't have to wait for a book and you'll have plenty of books to read. And that's what Books on Demand does. It reduces the amount of mail that we need to send out to you while giving you more access to more titles. It will reduce the amount of cartridges that you need to keep track of. And the cartridge works with your digital talking book player or your Braille e-reader if you don't have Wi-Fi for your Braille e-reader. So we think this is a win for you as patrons and for access to materials. And we have heard good things from you all too. Uh, by the end of this year, all of our patrons who receive books on cartridge from us 
will have been transitioned to books on demand. I mentioned the Braille e-reader, um, and uh, that is actually uh, a, uh, a project that Tamara Rory uh, has been working on uh, with libraries across the country uh, through NLS. So um, last year at this time, we were rolling out the Braille e-reader pilot uh, through the National Library Service. We've been distributing compact humanware 20-cell refreshable Braille readers, and we now have 162 in circulation across the state. And we have more available for our patrons, and we can get more as we need them. Uh, while NLS is still considering this a pilot for statistical gathering purposes, they have embraced that the service model is here to stay. And so LBPD has been offering the Braille e-reader as an option on its application for new patrons. And we welcome any of our existing patrons to request one. The statistics that really stand out is that we went from 500 or 5,800 electronic Braille circulations in the year before the pilot to over 14,500 circulations in the past year since we started that pilot. Um, that really is a testament to how this improves access uh, to Braille materials for our patrons. Um, and just by the way, we will continue um, to send hard copy Braille uh, as requested, and um, but just know that uh, this opportunity through the refreshable Braille reader has really uh, increased access to our patrons. Uh, Jerry Price, his twenty, his February twenty twenty two technology user group explored the features of the device. Um, it is primarily, you know, lent out as to make books available for reading but it can also uh, read Word documents and read other kinds and documents in other formats as well. Um, the other thing I wanna highlight is our recording studio. Uh, our recording studio resumed in-person narrating sessions in July of 2021, uh, though we did briefly halt them in January and February of 2022 in response to the Omicron variant. Uh, we will resume in-person narration in March. In the meantime, we've expanded remote recording by providing mobile recording kits to volunteers or working with volunteers with existing home studios. So we've been able to increase the number of books we're recording locally. To date, we have 219 Marylandia books produced through our studio uh, that are available on BARD. I also wanted to tell you about uh, some of the efforts that we're doing as an agency as a whole around diversity, equity, accessibility, and inclusion. The Maryland State Library has worked with public libraries on issues around diversity, equity, and inclusion with training, forums, and webinars, including Dismantling Institutional Racism, led by Widerstand, and Project Ready. In the midst of this work, we, which had assisted many libraries with creating a statement on DEIA, the agency itself decided that it needed a statement of its own to define the parameters in which our staff would work with each other and with our stakeholders and patrons. I want to read that statement to you. It is also available on our website. The Maryland State Library Agency, which includes the Maryland State Library for the Blind and Print Disabled, is committed to providing services and benefits that align with equity, diversity, and inclusion principles in support of anti-racism, anti-ableism, access to information, privacy, and social justice for all. 
MSL staff affirm its continued dedication to treating all people with respect and dignity. Our vision is to ensure that all residents and communities from urban to rural, mountains to shore and across the geographic, socioeconomic and demographic spectrum have equitable access to library resources. We listen, learn and respond to our patrons, partners and employees to inspire library innovation and accessibility. This statement was developed by the MSL EDI team of Joseph Beckett, Elizabeth Fletcher, LaShawn Miles, Jerry Price, Gary Sanders, and Nene Began. We as an agency are committed to living and working in, a, in an environment that upholds all of these values. In 2017, the Maryland State Library Agency used grant money to create ADA-compliant workstations in half of the public library branches across the state, as the branches you know, asked for them from us. Uh, these stations included a computer with JAWS and MAGIC. Uh, and four years later, MAGIC, of course, is no longer supported a supporting software. JAWS has gone through several updated versions, and the computers themselves are now out of date. So in January of 2022, we provided licenses, uh, JAWS and ZoomText software, Fusion, to public libraries across the state so that a blind or print-disabled citizen can go to any computer and access the internet and document creation software without waiting for a specific computer to be available. So far, we have 13 library systems that have shown interest, and they have begun testing the software on their public computers. Uh, we will continue to update our patrons and stakeholders on the progress of this project. So what I would say is, you know, go to your public libraries, um, and if you're in public library branches, uh, and ask them, do you have access to Fusion? And uh, if they say no, we said, did you know that the Maryland State Library uh, is providing licenses for you uh, to, to libraries? Um, we'll continue to talk to public libraries on our part, but, um, you know, as you, as you are users of public libraries, please uh, make them aware that this is available. I also want to talk about our Maryland Accessible Textbook Program. Uh, they converted study materials and texts for students in spring of 2021 and fall of 2021 semesters. The fall 2021 semester was more of in-person learning. So there was a, a great increase in the number of textbooks that were needed. Uh, one of the high volume things that they are seeing is, um, is items created specifically by an instructor or a professor uh, instead of a textbook it's a it's it's more of a uh, self-published sort of curriculum. So they are having they are starting to convert those as well, which can be a challenge because uh, they don't have uh, quite the availability of a basic PDF text that they can begin conversion with. So um, they are working on a very high volume of student requests for books. They converted 1,900 chapters during the fall 2021 semester. And the spring semester has seen an incredible increase as well. Uh, at our library, we are exploring wayfinding in the library in partnership with a company called StackMap, uh, which directs a patron to the location of an item in the library's browsing collections. So if you go into the catalog, um, you would see a widget that would um, 
that would say this book is available on this shelf and can also tell you this shelf is located on this floor. So that can help in um, you know, patrons being uh, able to independently locate materials. Also in the coming year, uh, we will be renovating our public areas and our technical services areas to create more open spaces for our patrons and to visit and to streamline our workspaces as books on makes us more efficient in delivering service. Um, we actually, as the year goes on, we will take all of those single cartridges that we used and we will convert them to uh, use for books on demand. And so in a lot of ways, we will not have uh, the same need for shelving uh, that we had before. And so we will be able to use those spaces uh, in more creative ways, both for back, back of house operations and for public operations. Those are the highlights. Uh, obviously, we do uh, you know, lots of things, um, but uh, those are the highlights that I wanted to talk about. I'm going to turn it over to Ashley Biggs to talk about our, um, our outreach, our uh, programming. And, uh, and in all of our aspects. So Ashley, go ahead. Everyone, um, for those who I haven't met, my name is Ashley. I am the marketing and outreach librarian for the Maryland State Library for the Blind and Print Disabled. Um, I am about five foot. And um, right now my hair color is a mix of black and purple. Um, don't be surprised if the next time we meet, it's a totally different color and I will be happy to describe it to you. Um, so a big part of, um, creating a library that is comprehensive is to have public events. And these events are to, um, can be found, you know, when you walk into a local branch library, they have events all the time. They have story times, they have, um, you know, come meet this author or, hey, learn to garden, things like that. Well, for us, because we serve a, a statewide audience, not just a, you know, small local community, um, we, we try to put on um, events and programs that are of interest to a wide variety of individuals and are accessible through various forms of technology. Um, in the last year, we have done some amazing uh, events and programs. I'm going to go through them a little bit. And I'm going to talk to you also about a patron survey that was conducted and some of the results from that and how we are going to change up how we advertise our events. So first and foremost, um, I want to talk a little bit about my cohort. Um, I'm sorry, my, my partner in crime, I should say, partner in events is LaShawn. LaShawn is our youth services librarian. And um, she is responsible for some amazing events geared towards young individuals, um, particularly teens. And uh, one thing that she did that was awesome was NASA at my library. And NASA at my library was a um, reading challenge that we did through Beanstack. Now she of course invites everybody to participate, but she was the brainchild of this event. And um, it was back in December and her goal was to get everybody excited, uh, about the James Webb telescope launch. And I, I think she had a pretty high success rate for that. Um, she also reactivated the teen advisory group, um, 
which is actually going to be meeting virtually. And what a teen advisory group or TAG for short is um, a group of uh, teens who have a love for sharing information, um, love for their library, love for their community. And they kind of get together to look at possible events, possible collection changes, things like that. So there are uh, some great things coming from them. She is working on, of course, uh, youth summer reading, and I will be working on adult summer reading. So those challenges are in place, though we are still looking at which format we want to use to deliver it to you. Um, she's invited in guest speakers and events, and she's got more, uh, more coming. Now, I handle a lot of the adult um, events, and um, with that, we had a very successful year. We had the International Spy Museum come, and they gave a great presentation, um, and uh, it was a it was a very good learning exchange in the process because we um, we taught them about presenting in an accessible manner by describing what's on the screen um, by describing um, items in more detail because of course you don't have an idea from a picture what an item might weigh or how big it is so they um, they just they learned to describe those things and try to be very conscientious about making accessible events. In turn, they gave us a huge and wonderful, well-attended event that unfortunately we could not record. But we do plan on having them back, um, hopefully uh, this coming fall, and um, it'll be it'll be great. It's I, I cannot wait. Um, Jerry, of course, for those who don't know, Jerry Price is our assistive technology uh, education coordinator. I call him an assistive technology librarian because he's just like whoo, full of knowledge. And um, he has been running our uh, technology user group for uh, ever and a day. But because we had to switch to virtual formats during the pandemic, we have seen a huge increase in those who are attending and those who are um, becoming more and more interactive with our um with our events. So, uh, you know, huge shout out to Jerry and he's been working with these, uh, with, uh, tech enthusiasts and doing one-on-one training and working to stamp out ableism. He's, he's just been great with his events for those who would like to hear the recorded tug sessions. You can find them at lbph.maryland.gov. Again, that is lbph.maryland.gov maryland.gov and of course i will um, shoot that to jane so she can share that out with you um uh, john actually worked with um some uh, a local public library in baltimore to create a story walk as a lot of libraries are realizing that um accessibility of print materials is not necessarily what they think they are starting to hold more and more inclusive events. And part of that is a story walk. The idea is to put something up in the community where people can walk down the pages of a book and read. Well, uh, they came to us and they said, we want to make sure that this is inclusive. So not only did they add Braille to these wonderful uh, podiums that have each page of the book, they added audio elements as well. So you can borrow an iPad from them 
and listen to the book as you walk down the path. Um, or you can read each page in Braille. It, it was an absolutely amazing opening day. Um, tons of pictures, tons of people. Um, and we are so proud of our, our partner libraries. Um, you know, we, uh, we connect with a wide variety of partners outside the library, library sphere. And to that is uh, the University of Maryland Extension Office. You know, I heard a few people chittering and then talking about how wonderful the programs and events were from UME. And uh, we cannot wait to have them back in some form. And they hosted 12 teleconferences. That's one a month um, on various ways to ensure that you are living your best life. Everything from stress to healthy eating to understanding what um, nutrition really is. It was amazing. And um, each one of the presenters was an expert in their field. So you were getting the information directly from the horse's mouth. Um, and then when we partnered with, you know, we partnered with uh, uh state's attorney office to learn about victims' rights. We partnered with Banfield to learn how to keep pets safe in hot weather. We partnered with um, an individual who works with Enoch Pratt, and she taught us all about writing our life story. And in fact, there's such demand for that, we might actually be holding classes on writing your own memoirs, which is really kind of fun. Um, we partnered with Maryland Legal Aid. Why would we partner with Maryland Legal Aid? Well, it's important to know, one, your rights as an individual, um, your rights as someone who may be print disabled, um, and more importantly, how to get an advocate on your side. And that kind of fed into our victims' rights um, program. Now, finally, I'm going to talk a little bit about our uh, patron survey. So in November of last year, I sent out a patron survey, um, and this survey was conducted via email um, and Google Form. Now, out of uh, approximately, let's say, uh, eight or nine, 10,000 people that were emailed, <laughs> um, we uh, received about 37, 38 responses. And uh, in that response category, we asked, did you attend programs or didn't you? And then each one of those yes or no's had a sub-survey to go with it. And one of the biggest things that happened on both sides or, or that was stated is that I'm not aware when the library is hosting events. Um, and it's maybe because I don't have regular access to email. I don't call the library unless, um, I don't call the library unless I need a book. Um, I, you know, I'm not following you on social media, things like that. And I'm like, oh, okay. So we're going to look at ways to um, better connect with our community. And of course, we're open to ideas um, of how, how to better connect with those who would like to attend library events. And then the other thing um, is that uh, a lot of individuals indicated that despite um, events uh, being something that they're that they are interested in, the days and times were not necessarily available to them to go. Um, so we are looking at the possibility of doing what we call um, podcasted events, which is where we bring in that same presenter, that same person who did a wonderful job with um, studying nutrition, or that same person who did a fabulous job talking about how to keep pets, uh, pets safe in hot weather, um, bringing them back, 
having them do a presentation that's about approximately 30 minutes long and uh, recording it and making it available on our new podcast um, that we have out now. So, and and I'm going to get to that because this is really important. But this way, it's much more accessible to individuals who would like to have a podcast. We're going to look into how we can make it available in other methods. So if you're not someone who uses podcasts, how you could um, listen to that same event on your on your uh, day and time. So these are some things that are coming. And then I'm going to close with this. Right now, we are in the process of developing our podcasting chops. Um, I'm very excited because our blog, um, Beyond the Stacks, is now a podcast. Um, we have some wonderful narrators, primarily um, Jordan, our collection development librarian, has a wonderful recording voice. I'm just, I'm blown away. Um, and she uh, she is going back and recording uh, every single one of the um, blog entries from 2022. And uh, we are uploading them to Spotify. Uh, I haven't gotten them on Apple Podcasts. I'm still working on that. Um, we have them on Spotify, TuneIn, um, uh, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all of it. Um, we're really trying to make it available. And so I'm going to encourage everyone uh, to look for emails and um, other announcements as we go forward. Again, I am at your service. So if you have suggestions for events, programs, uh, you know, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Again, my name is Ashley. You can call the library and ask for me, or you can email me directly at ashley.biggs1 at maryland.gov. And I wish I could be there in person. I know so many faces and I so enjoy hanging out and having coffee with some of my favorite people. So I miss you all totally. Can't wait to see you again. Thanks so much um, to, to both of you, um, Ashley and John, for, for talking about uh, what's, what's going on at the library. I know I've attended some of these, the, the, I know I, I went to an intuitive eating one and I went to the one about keeping your dog safe and, and those are, those are, were really uh, worthwhile presentations. I'm really looking forward to the podcasts <clears throat> because I, I get my podcasts on the Victor stream and I'll be anxious to see what it was called beyond the stacks, I think. So um, I will go and see whether I can get those on my Victor reader stream. So uh, that, that will be a good thing. Do we have any questions? Well, Jane, uh, really quickly, I know John has um, uh, a couple more quick things to say. Oh, good. And then um, just uh, I will email you information about the podcast and please feel free to share it out to everyone. Okay. Wonderful. I sure will. Thank you. Yeah. And, we, and you know, we can share we can share with everyone um, you know, the copy of these remarks and um, as well as all the ways that you can connect with us because um, you can you can reach our library. Um, you can email reference.desk at maryland.gov. That's R-E-F-E-R-E-N-C-E dot E-E-S-K at maryland.gov. And that's how you can connect with, uh, yeah, that's how you can connect with our library. You can continue to call us, uh, check out our website, and there are all kinds of ways that you can find things. 
Um, yeah, the, on, the only thing that I would add to those remarks is I am incredibly proud of our staff, um, you know, and uh, all of the things that they've done, uh, as, as I'm sure it has been uh, for all of us, a uh, set of difficult circumstances. And we have been very creative, very adaptive, very innovative. Uh, we've learned a lot of things and a lot of things that we'll keep doing, um, you know, that we discovered um, out of necessity that we can go on and keep doing. Uh, we're diligently working towards solving those challenges and just kind of laying that groundwork for these new models of service. Um, you know, and we do this all for you all. Uh, we do it all so that you all can read, that all may read as the NLS motto says. Um, yeah, we're ready to take questions if anyone has any. Yes, Sandra has a, a question. She has her hand raised. Go ahead, Sandra. Thank you. Thank you, Allison. And thank you. Um, this is a, a wonderful presentation. Uh, as always, I enjoy hearing what Maryland is doing. Um, I, I have one comment and one question. My question is, I am a patron of NLS, but it's been a long time since I've actually checked out books or anything of that nature. And so what I'm wondering is, does my, um, do I have to recertify or am I kind of um, a patron for life? So you're, if, if you had an account with us, it should still be in our database. Uh, we'd be happy to check, you know, offline and, uh, and get back. Okay. Um, you know, uh, and, um, or you can contact us, as I said, either by email um, at reference.desk at maryland.gov or, um, or you can give us a call. Uh, if you want to call straight into the reference desk, that number is 410-230-2443. And, uh, and we can check your record. And if for some reason it has, it has, um, it has kind of lapsed or, be, or been suspended because you haven't used it in a while, it's very easy to just make it active again. So, uh, and we'd, we'd be happy to talk with you and answer those questions. Uh, and, okay. and, did you and my second question is, or comment is just, you know, in the spirit of um, diversity, diversity and inclusion, um, I think you guys do an amazing amount of outreach, but I want to make sure that everyone is, has the same information um, about your services and what you do, particularly uh, like the textbooks. So I'm just wondering if you um, do any outreach to any of the um, historically Black colleges and universities within Maryland, just so that you can, um, you know, make sure that potential patrons know about your service. And then also, I don't know if you do recording, but also some potential narrators for your recording studio? So I'd be happy to answer that. Um, uh, Joe, our uh, Maryland Accessible Textbook Program Coordinator, does a huge amount of outreach with um, colleges across the state, which include HBCUs. Um, and it's, it's something that he takes pride in, in ensuring that everyone has the same information about college textbooks, the same information about uh, the library services in general. Um, I think it's really important to Joe uh, to hear these comments, so I will pass them on, but I can assure you he does an excellent job in trying to connect with um, 
everyone, not just, you know, University of Maryland, <laughs> but everybody. Um, and then I think, John, you probably could answer the one about volunteering better than I. Okay. Um, so, yeah, uh, if you are interested in volunteering, uh, you can, um, uh, probably the best way is to, uh, or if you know someone that might be interested, um, is to contact, again, probably the best way would be this, that central email address, the reference.desk. It's less of me knowing somebody and more of asking if you do the outreach to the potential volunteers at the HBC so that you get more African-American narrators. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, we certainly are you know, looking for narrators uh, all the time. Um, yeah, and that is certainly something that we could, that we could uh, explore. Um, we are, you know, in terms of, of recording, yeah, we are, we're always just open to finding those sources where we, can, where we can find volunteers. So that's a good idea that certainly we can take back to our recording studio um, and, uh, and to ask them as well. Thank you. A pretty diverse uh, group of narrators um, on, you know, our volunteers, but uh, we're always we're always looking for more so that we can cover more material. So, right, absolutely. Thank you for your question. Any other other hands? Go ahead, Jamaica. Hello, I have a quick question about the um, audio um, audio new player. Is there going to be a new audio new? player coming out for those of us who just want to be able to have to have just uh audio coming coming to them right now i can't say for sure i know that um uh, nls is working on their next you know prototypes of their next generation player um sometimes something that may be more wi-fi enabled and things like that um for right now um, the standard player uh, is is uh, continues to work um, with books on demand. We're using the same cartridges that we did previously. So if you get books on, you know, if you get books from us in the mail, um, they will continue to be on cartridges that work with your your current player. So thank you, you. Go thank ahead. you, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for your question. All right, our next raised hand is Barbie. Hello, Ashley and John. I would like to know, have you heard or visited the new MLK library and their new renovations? And do, or is there any plans to add some of that new innovation to the Maryland library, whereas people can come in and have computer rooms and they have the whole underground station where people can go in and make podcasts and all those sorts of things. Are you talking about the MLK library in DC? Yes, I am. Yeah. So, um, how do I answer that? Okay. Um, that is something that, that would be wonderful to go down and see. Um, I know that the, well, the MLK library and the district of Columbia they actually, they have a separate um, library for the blind. So the library for the blind that is based in the MLK library uh, is, the, is the one that serves citizens of D.C. So they are actually different from us. Um, they do have, and, and they do have the, um, 
the uh, I guess the the luxury of being in a public library branch, um, so that they can take advantage of those things that that particular public library offers. Um, I can tell you that our library uh, location, which is in downtown Baltimore, does offer public computers where people can come in and um, and uh, use the internet, use office production tools, uh, and um, and so, yes, you can come and visit our library and browse. Um, some of the things I, I, I won't say, I can't say at this point because we're still in planning stages. Some of the things that we're looking at as we renovate our patron area is creating spaces that may be uh, you know, opportunities for maker spaces and other kinds of opportunities. So that you know, could be something that is coming as we design and um, respond to needs uh, among our people. But um, but uh, thank you for that, you know, and uh, yeah, I know that it has been a long road for them. Um, you know, they were closed, closed, uh, you know, not able to uh, even send out books for, for a while during the pandemic. So it is a good road for them and, uh, and uh, glad to see that their renovation is finished. So thank you for that question. That certainly would be a good field trip for us. Thank you. And I've enjoyed my times of coming to your library and the events that you have there. And also I feel like your response to my ordering books and the like have been very rapid in light of the conditions of things during COVID. Thank you very much. That's great to hear. Thank you. All right. Our next raised hand is Gary. Just want to tell you guys, you do a fantastic job, John and Ashley and Jerry Price. All you guys are are great, are fantastic. Some of you may not know that they have a computer. They have uh, podcasts or or recordings they can point you to on computer access too, which which are very good. But um, I just wanted to ask one of the things I love about the library is Bard Express. And recently, I went to the Mac, and the Mac does not have Bard Express, so I'm sure you can't probably do anything about this but i just wondered is there any uh you know thought of getting bard express to be a mac accessible uh, app as well as being a uh, pc accessible app that is a good question i am i can't think that i've heard where they are with that with nls nls i mean i'm not like tossing it to them but nls is the one that designed the bard express software and provides it to us to provide it to you sort of um, so I don't know where they are in terms of, of doing that. Uh, that is certainly something I, that we're happy to pass along to NLS um, because I know that there are a lot of Mac users out there. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's all I know at this point, right? Thanks. Now. I appreciate that. Sure thing. And thank you for your kind words. Next, we have 847 ending in 712. This is Brian. Thank you very much for the presentation. Um, one need that I've been trying to solve is to have access to an embosser in a library. Are you aware of how that might, if you have one or another library that might have an embosser, I could go to the library and use? We do have embossers at, uh, at our library. Um, I'm not aware of other public libraries that may have them, you know, <laughs> But uh, yes, we do have embossers at our library that uh, that patrons can come and use. 
That's wonderful. What would be the process for accessing those? Uh, would I need to make an appointment or how does it work? Um, you can generally walk in. Um, uh, we ad admittedly don't have a, a lot of uh, walk-in traffic and unfortunately that may be because of our location in downtown Baltimore. Um, but um, so you, you probably, you don't need an appointment. Um, you'll probably find a computer free. Um, all of our patron computers, we have about three or three patron computers. They are uh, all connected to the Braille embosser. Um, it's an index, uh, just if you're, uh, it's an index embosser. Um, so um, you would just come in. Uh, we have Duxbury available on those computers and you would be able to use the Braille embosser. Thank you very much. You're welcome. That is all the raised hands I'm seeing right now. Well, then I have a question. Um, this is Jane. I would like very much to access the Marylandia collection. And I don't know on BARD how to search and find all of the Maryland books. Um, is there any way that I can get a list or is it on your website of all of the books that have been recorded in Maryland and are put up on BARD or any way that I can access that list? Um, I, there, there is, a, unfortunately, there's not a neat way to do it. Um, you can generally, there are a couple different kinds of searches that you can do that will pull them up. Um, and I think, because Bard, unfortunately, yeah, Bard doesn't take the same... When you send it to BARD, it doesn't take like the same metadata, you know, kind of things. So, because if you search our web OPAC, for instance, and you searched under Marylandia, you would find it. Um, unfortunately, BARD is not quite as, as um, robust in its search, um, in its search methods. Um, but, you know, one of those things that we can, that we can do is work toward having a list of those books, um, you know, a, like a linked list on our website or, um, or other things, or um, making sure it's featured in our catalog uh, in ways to do that. But um, yeah, if you search our catalog, you should be able to find, um, using the search term Barrelandia, should pull up those books. And then from there, it does direct link to your BARD, to BARD. There should be a link with each catalog record to BARD. So okay. um, unfortunately, that. quite as neat as we'd like it to be, but um, it, it, uh, it is doable and we'll continue to work to make that better. Okay. Cause that would be really interesting to, to hear. So, okay. And this is Pat. I had a, a question, a couple of things to say. If I can. Good. Thanks. Uh, first, John, I wanted to, uh, I, I enjoyed hearing about the books on demand. I think I may be calling. I think I may be calling on on Monday and seeing uh, if, if you're you're breaking out. Yeah, I was going to say your your sound is coming in and out. So unfortunately, oh, I'm sorry. I don't know why that is. Is this better? <laughs> yes. Now, yeah. Great. I don't know why that is. Um, I wanted to congratulate you first on the books on demand um, program that you have. 
have uh, gotten some inquiries from people on on that, and and I'll be calling on Monday to see if we can get some books for individuals. I think that's great. Also, the second thing, Ashley, I, uh, the podcast I think is a great idea. The um, particularly some of the resources and some of the programs that you, that you noted. So I heard my name and then podcast and that was it. Oh, I don't know why. Jane, let me see if I can do something with this microphone then. Why don't we go to somebody else? <laughs> what I caught was podcast is a great idea. And uh... <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I'm really looking forward to those myself because I, I get all of my podcasts on the stream and and I'm going to go and look for that. And see, I think they get them from Apple Podcasts, though. So I'm not sure whether I'll be able to get them on the stream yet. But uh, I am, if- I am working on getting them up on Apple. It's um, <clears throat> it's a little difficult. Uh, it's a little bit more difficult than I realized. But um, I can send you a list of where they're available. Mm-hmm. Um, they are underneath the Maryland State Library Agency, and then they're um, and then you can also ask for Beyond the Stacks. You can ask for Maryland State Library or Beyond the Stacks, and they should come okay. up. Um, fact, can we get them from your website? Can um, we download them from your website, the library website? No, uh-uh, okay. I don't have. Um, we don't have that capability right okay. now. Um, unlike, uh, unlike um, uh, Jerry's program, where it's a self-contained um, thing uh, with the podcast. Trying to upload them and send them out to multiple channels, um, our, our website just doesn't have that accommodation. I can definitely try, but um, I'm not sure if I can make that work. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'll I'll play with it. So, <laughs> that'll be fun. Okay, right. um, but I'll send it to you. Uh, I'll send you a list of all the places that we offer at the moment. And oh, good. Um, you guys should be able to access it very easily. Okay. Well, what I'll do with all of the information that I get from various presenters afterward, I will send it out to everyone who's registered for the convention so that um, everyone will have access to all of the information that, that is shared um, after the convention uh, through email with me. So um, any other questions? And this is me again. Am I sounding better? Oh, so now, now. yes, yeah. you are good. All right, I changed the microphones. I guess that first one hated me. Um, <laughs> uh, I'd like to be able to change my change uh, address uh, of where books are sent for a couple individuals. Who would I call to make sure that happens? Who should I call on? And I would call the uh, reference desk, uh, and that is again the phone number is four one zero two three zero. Two four four three. I like to just give out the number that goes straight to the reference desk instead of the one that you have to go through the tree. If you want to call straight to the reference desk, 410-230-2443. Um, and, you know, leave a message or, you know, um, uh, or if we're able to answer the call, um, we'll, we'll be able to do that right on the spot. But, um, Beautiful. Or you can email us at reference.desk at maryland.gov. And uh, and we'll um, and we'll take care of it. Great, very good, John. Thank you. Excellent presentation. Yeah, appreciate I, it. 
you had started on a um, question about the podcast. Did you, did, was it just saying it was a great idea or did you have a question? Uh, I did. No, I think it's a great idea that you covered some topics on in, in your list of topics that you went through that, uh, that I've been trying to research myself. So knowing that you've got some podcasts, particularly um, uh, with the advocacy one and, and, and your rights and that sort of thing, I think is important. Some of those questions have come up knowing that you guys have already had uh, experts uh, talking about that is a great way for me to get smarter of what, you know, what's inv- available in Maryland. Sometimes embarrassing when I don't even know what's available in Maryland, but the library's a good place to start. Well, and we're so definitely thanks. going to go back and talk to the presenters we had before to see if they would be willing to redo their presentations Wonderful. before they were not recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to definitely try to have it like redone. Which would be great. great. <laughs> that would be great. You know, it might be fun also for us to have a list of topic areas that you cover, particularly if you're doing podcasts, because I think rather than sort of run around the state and try to figure out what's available, if we had a list of topic areas as, as you go through this, uh, either that we could get from your website or whatever, that would be great. So we would know to that you've already covered this with the experts and we could just download the podcast and say, hey, I want one, three, and five to listen to. You that'd know, that's a really good idea. I'm all about data organization in some ways. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I've got an inbox that you can look at if you want to start organizing data. Oh my uh, no, uh, no, I, I, I was, I'm sorry. I was being a little facetious there. <laughs> um, uh, but for our I website, I have to learn to be um, very organized because uh, uh-huh. I'm in control of that. <laughs> So I will make a note um, to have like a topic list generated. And then as we add podcasts to those topics, I can just link to the title of that podcast on Anchor FM, which is our distribution service. And then it can be listened to directly without having to go through everything. So that's beautiful. So then you could just hit the enter key on it and play it. Pretty much. Yeah. That Um, would be cool. Yeah. that's it's not that complicated, but um, it would probably be like a, a PDF or something. So, oh, okay. mm-hmm. um, yeah, and of course, an accessible and interactive PDF. Yeah. So I'm going to keep that in mind. Um, if if anybody has topic suggestions for podcasts or um, well, programming podcasts, specifically event podcasts, um, you know, outside presenters and things, please, please hit me up. I'd appreciate it. Well, I have one and a comment. Um, also, um, I I personally have trouble with Eventbrite. I I just cannot get it to work. And I'm I see all these podcasts. I mean, all these uh, seminars that I want to attend, but you have to register on Eventbrite. So yeah. I I have problems with that. So I'm I I wish we didn't have to use that. Um, the Event- other thing, real quick, um, is. One topic that I think needs to be covered somewhere, we've we've had several members in our chapter who have become incapacitated um, due to health issues, and and we're finding that people don't know about having a will and a living will and all the powers of attorney and all of the things that we all should have access to and and have done while we're still capable. So, um, an estate that planning program, yeah, estate that. planning. Um, we haven't had one of those in about three years, so it's definitely time. Oh, yeah. um, just in regards to Eventbrite, a lot of our outside presenters must record um, 
demographics. And, huh. um, and that's because of grant money, especially the University of Maryland um, and their programs. That is specifically grant money for them. They have to show that, you know, they had 15 people register uh, um, and that they are reaching underserved communities. And, um, you know, uh, again, like with the spy museum, part of it also allows me to send um, automated reminders. If I do everything through um, our agency's Google service, it becomes um, a bit cumbersome. So while I can look into some other methods, just please note that some of our presenters for live programs may still require Eventbrite. Um, If people are having problems with Eventbrite, I'm happy to walk through that registration with you over the phone um, and and fill that out for you so that all you get is the the emails. Um, But uh, unfortunately, it's a lot more access. Unfortunately, accessibility was not something that they planned on when they built it, (laughs) which is which stinks. So I hear you. I've already passed those comments on to UME. and uh, I'm looking for other tools. Um, but for those, if they come across an Eventbrite for the library and you're having difficulty navigating it or something's not right, give me a call. Um, I'll walk through it with you and um, we can go from there. Uh, one of the nice things about these podcasts, though, is that there's not going to be registration. Mm-hmm. Um, now, live events like, um, you know, Everyman Theater and whatnot may be a little bit more difficult, but uh, we can always find ways, additional ways. Great. And also um, when you send out the information to me about a presentation, I always forward it to everybody in the ACB of Maryland database so that um, we, uh, we can get the word, the word out to all of our members as soon as we can. That's great. Jane, this is Allison, the host. Uh, you mm-hmm. do have a raised hand. Uh, would you like okay. to recognize it? Sure. Okay. One more, uh, and then we have to, the time okay. police are getting us. Okay. Uh, area code 410, ending in 533. Go ahead. Yes, ma'am. Good morning, Mr. Owens and Miss Ashley. This is Sandra. Hi, and Miss Jane, I, I share your problem. I have the same problem that Miss Ashley will tell you. I will call Miss Ashley. That, that, that bright thing ca- causes me grief. Sometimes yeah, I have no problem. Other, <laughs> other times, it, I'll say, Miss Ashley, help. But I, th- I think they do an excellent job with the small staff that they have of getting all these events you know, together and all the things that they pull off and do with the library. I think they do an excellent job. Absolutely. I'm so proud of them and proud to be a part of the library. Well, it's funny and Mr. Jerry, Jerry does a lot of things as well. I mean, I always try to be on tug, you know, to support them and also to learn. I mean, they have a lot of learning opportunities. True. It's really great. But if I ever have a problem registering for something, I do. Ashley will tell you, I will call her in a heartbeat. No, she, she texts me, me is what register. she does. <laughs> I, will, I-, I will hunt her down. I, I help. yeah, she, she will text me. And it's funny um, because if my, my cell phone number is at the bottom of my email. So that's another way to get in touch with me. And um, because it's a cell phone, you know, I get texts from patrons um, for registering mm-hmm. for events. Um, I, I, but I'll always, try and try first. 
<laughs> that's true. But I'm always happy to help individuals register for events. Or if you have questions for events, you are more than welcome to reach out to me any method you feel comfortable with. And I'm happy to answer any questions I can. But thank Great you guys so much. Well, I'll definitely do that next time. Thanks, Sandra. <laughs> and yeah, I'm grateful for Ashley and for all of our librarian staff that yes. uh, are there to answer your questions and uh, and get all out. Yep. So thanks so much for the opportunity. I know it's uh, 1001. <gasps> the time police are breathing down my neck here. So <laughs> thank, thank you so you much. So much to thanks both for coming. We always thanks. enjoy the library presentation and you always have interesting and, and uh, timely things to tell us about, about what's going on. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. Take care. Thanks. Meryl, it's your turn to introduce your panel. This is the wellness panel. Good morning, everyone. I would like to, uh, my name is Meryl Sector, and I would like to introduce our uh, wellness panel. The first panelist um, will be Charlotte Glass. She is the Scriptability and Public Policy Liaison for Envision America. <clears throat> then we will have and she is wonderful to talk to, and I was emailing with her and really enjoyed it. Andy Burstein is the second person. He's the Chief Executive Officer, Accessibility, um, I mean, I'm sorry, Accessible uh, Pharmacy Services for the Blind in Fairless Hills, Pennsylvania. And um, he is also wonderful to talk to and great emailing with. And the third person, is Janine Stanley. Um, oh, and also I, I forgot to say that Andy is the CEO um, of um, the Accessible Pharmacy Services Blind. And the third person is um, Janine Stanley from IRA. Uh, she's going to talk about the <clears throat> um, IRA and the uh, wellness, I mean, the testing uh, for COVID. And um, the other people will be talking about the labels for prescriptions. And so here you go, everyone. Uh, and the first person is Sharma. So um, the floor is yours. Uh, hi. Yes, I'm Charlotte Glass with Envision America. Um, I've been with Envision America for 17 years now. And uh, if you're not familiar with us, we make the scriptability accessible prescription labeling. Um, we work with thousands of pharmacies, including accessible pharmacy, uh, to provide audible, large print, braille, and now also dual language prescription labeling. Uh, so I think um, a lot of people want to know what's new. Um, because most people are familiar with Script Talk. Um, if you're not familiar with Script Talk, it is our audible prescription label. That's the thing that most people are have questions about. Um, large print labels is pretty obvious what that is. <laughs> um, and uh, our Braille labeling, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that as well. Um, but so for an overview of Script Talk, um, basically it's all based upon a... Um, RFID tag that goes on the bottom of the prescription label, that RFID tag can be programmed by the pharmacy to contain all of the prescription label information. So um, that means like, you know, how to take it, the directions, the dosage, the refill information, your pharmacy information, um, the warnings and everything. 
Um, the only thing that won't fit on here is the data sheet, uh, but we do have a way for you to access that. Um, if you're using the script talk machine to hear the information spoken aloud to you, um, there'll be a phone number and a four digit code to access that additional uh, data sheet information. If you're using the script talk app, there's a link and it'll take you to another website that your phone can read aloud to you. So this is what the script talk device looks like. Um, this is our new version. So if you have an older version, it's going to look a little bit different. This is more round. Um, but really the only difference in the way they work is that the newer one we can program in the multiple languages. So unless you are in need of another language, you can just keep using the one that you have. Um, so the way that this works is there's a thumbwheel switch that has a voice or the loudness control. Talk station ready. And this is going to vibrate a little because it's not sitting on a table and I'm just holding it up in the air. Um, so then it'll tell you that it's ready. There's three buttons, uh, forward, backward, and a play button. So when you hit the play button, it'll beep to tell you that it's looking for a label. Then you just put your prescription on it. Patient, John J. Smith. Medication, Omoxicillin, 250 milligrams capsule. Instructions, take one capsule three times daily. Quantity, 30 capsules. Prescription date, June 10th, 2021. Expiration date, June 10th, 2022. Refills remaining, zero. Prescriber, Dr. Ben Casey. Scriptability Pharmacy. To reorder this prescription, dial. 800-555-1212. Prescription number, 123456. Warning. Important, finish all this medication unless otherwise directed by prescriber. Warning. This medicine may be taken with or without food. Warning. May cause diarrhea. I think there's a ton of warnings because it's an antibiotic, but um, I'll just stop there. So that gives you an idea of the script talk device. This device, um, once you sign up with your pharmacy, uh, they let us know if their patient needs a reader. Uh, they send us a fax usually. And then we will call you, verify that they gave us your correct mailing information and whether, you know, usually we send it out free matter for the blind. But if you have problems with your postal service or something, we'll send it out UPS. Um, so we'll go through all that with you. Um, we go through the fact that it's just a loan, so you can use it as long as you want for free. Uh, we just ask that if you ever stop using it, that you let us know, and we'll send you a return label. And that's just, you know, keep them out of landfills, reuse, reuse, recycle, um, and also helps us to continue to provide them at no cost. Uh, but a lot of people are actually preferring to use our app, which is called Script Talk Mobile. Um, and here is what the uh, screen looks like if you have some vision. It basically, you open it and it's going to have two choices, a full scan or a quick scan. Full scan is going to read everything on the label. The quick scan just reads the name of the medication. Um, so I will demo that. Um, basically, after you press the button, you know, after you select the button, it's going to click a little bit. And most um, near-field communication chips, which read the label, um, 
are up near the earpiece. So that's where I'm going to put this. Patient name, John J. Smith. Medication, amoxicillin 250 milligrams capsule. Instructions, take one capsule three times daily. Quantity, 30 capsules. Fill date, June 10, 2021. Expiration date, June 10, 2022. Refills remaining, zero. Prescriber, DRBN Casey. Scriptability Pharmacy. So Pharmacy phone 800. I was going to stop it there because you already heard all the info <laughs> when we read it before. Um, so I do not have my phone in voiceover right now. Depending on how you have voiceover set up, you might have to swipe through each field for it to be read aloud. Um, just depends on how you have your phone set up. Um, the quick scan, we'll do that one so you can hear how that's like. Amoxicillin 250 milligrams capsule. So that's the quick scan. It just tells you what it is. Um, there's one other, a couple other features on the app. There's a My Meds section. Um, every time that you use the full scan, it will save uh, the name of the medication um, and all the information and the date and time that it was scanned. And so then you will have a complete list of all your medications if you scan them. Um, this is a really nice and convenient when you go to the pharmacy or your doctor and they say, well, what medications are you taking? Then you'll have that list on your phone. You can also export that list into an email and then you know email it to your provider if you need to or copy and paste the text from the email, you know, and do whatever you want to do with it. Um, then the, obviously too, we have a find a pharmacy feature because maybe you downloaded the app and you still don't have a pharmacy yet. So you can put in your zip code. It'll tell you all the pharmacies near you. And I should also list all the mail order pharmacies, for example, accessible pharmacy um, that are, you know, options for you to get script talk labels put on your medications. Um, the app also has this great feature. It automatically knows what language your script talk label is in. So, you know, if you're working with someone, you know, who speaks another language and they have a, a label that's in another language, you don't have to like totally change everything on your phone in order to, you know, have it read in the other language. Nombre del paciente, Francisco Miranda. Medicamento, Balsartan 80 miligramos tablet. Instrucciones, tomar una tableta por la boca so, cada mañana. So obviously that was in Spanish. Um, we have 24 different languages available. And we can get dual language in both the, on the large print label. You can get both English and Spanish or whatever other language you want. And then the script talk labels. Um, if the pharmacy has translation service, they can also create the script talk labels in any language. But previously, before we started the translation service, the pharmacy could make a prescription label in another language, but they had to type everything in and have to know that language. But now with the translation service, they don't necessarily have to do that. Um, so we're just, we just rolled that out last year, really. And so we're just working with pharmacies and getting set up. Um, mostly Nevada and Oregon because they just passed laws requiring dual language labels. But, um, you know, obviously happy to work with any pharmacy because um, it's just a double whammy if you 
you know, are visually impaired and you don't speak English as your primary language, um, this will really be a huge help. Um, and speaking of Oregon and Nevada, <laughs> we do have many different uh, states that are working on accessible prescription legislation. Um, right now, Washington, Oregon, and Tennessee, and Puerto Rico all have um, legislation that is having, you know, hearings, um, and hopefully will proceed. Um, Washington's is both audible and dual language legislation. Um, and I know there's several other um, ACB and or NFB in some states they're working together um, to approach either legislators or the Board of Pharmacy to talk about <clears throat> making the legislation or the pharmacy rules in the state more in align with the ADA. Um, so that's kind of what I have. Um, I'm happy to answer questions and I think Andy's probably going to have more to say about, you know, how that works on the pharmacy side and putting that into practice, like uh, providing the labeling on that side. We have a raised hand. Would you like to recognize it now or wait? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Susan, you may unmute. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much. Um, so uh, I really have used this this device quite a bit, and I really appreciate the service. And, and I'm excited to hear about the app. If I download the app, do I have to do anything special to register? Um, it will invite you to register, which it will just let us know that you registered, and we'll just mark in our system that you're using the app as well. That just helps tech support, you know, when you call in, um, mm -hmm. they'll, they'll be able to tell like what version of the app that you downloaded and that kind of thing. Um, but uh, you, you can also bypass the registration if you want. So it's kind of up to you. Okay. But, but I don't have to, you know, I mean, when we received this umpteen years ago, there was no, you know, password or anything like that because it was a, it was, you know, a specific, specific piece of hardware. So if I register, will you just automatically know who I am or how does that work? Um, if you register, you have to put in like your name and stuff like that. So, okay. Okay. Well, and it's called, and the app is called what? Script Talk Mobile. Sounds exciting. Thank you so much. Congratulations. Thanks. I think Sandra has her hand up. Fabulous. Um, I echo Sue's sentiment. Really. I'm so glad that you guys are here. Um, I'm, a new, I've been meaning to use Script Talk forever since I saw you guys at convention a few years ago, but now I actually, so I signed up, I think Target uh, put the little chip in or did whatever they needed to do. So now if I download the app, what would be my next step? How do I get the, how do I get it to read my prescription label? Okay. If you are getting talking labels from Target, that means you actually have CVS Spoken RX. Yep. So you're going to need, if you want to use the app, then you're going to download the CVS app, not Script Talk. Okay. So let, let's, let me maybe say a little bit about the differences between CVS Spoken RX and Script Talk and why it's so complicated. <laughs> um, so just to verify, okay, 
CVS mail order is still providing script talk labels. They're set up to provide them. They're going to keep providing them. But CVS wanted a different solution for in-store because they wanted it integrated into their software and they wanted, you know, to make it cheaper and stuff like that. So they are doing spoken RX for any prescriptions you get in-store. Um, and that would include in-store in Target. Um, so spoken RX, um, you have the option. They're going to encourage you to use the CVS app. But you do have the option to ask for a spoken RX device. The spoken RX device will read both spoken RX and script talk labels because they think, you know, assuming that you maybe you're getting some, some stuff in store and you're some stuff mail order. So they wanted their device to read both. So we, we worked with them and we allowed them to, you know, be able to read script talk labels as well on their spoken RX device. <laughs> so um, you'll have to work with CVS to get a spoken RX device. Um, you know, if you, if CVS ends up giving you a spoken RX device, we can send you a return label and you can return your script talk because there's no reason to have both. <laughs> um, so I know that's like complicated, but hopefully it also cleared it up a little bit. Okay. <laughs> Thank so, you. Yep. I'm not seeing any more raised hands right now. Yeah. So give Andy a chance now. Andy, Andy's <laughs> turn. Okay. Right, should I just jump in or is there going to be a transition? Go ahead and jump in. All right. Well, well, Thank you. So thank you. Thank you, Meryl. Thank you, Jane. Thank you, Deb. Um, thank you for including me today. Thank you for including us and coordinating all of this. I know a lot goes on behind the scenes. Um, thank you, Sharla. Um, you know, I'll, I'll compliment Sharla, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a way that sort of, you know, she can't do herself necessarily in that, you know, Envision America, we are such huge fans of them. Sharla and her team have really been pioneers in this space and, you know, the whole concept of figuring out ways to make healthcare accessible. Um, there's so many things that they do. Um, it's unbelievable. And uh, Script Talk is our primary audio label solution for patients who, who like it. So um, thank you for the kind word, Sharla. Uh, that being said, um, what I figured I could do in about 10 minutes, you know, share, uh, I, I do recognize some of the names of the attendees. So hello, those who know me. Um, for those of you who don't know me and know us, um, I am Andy Burstein. I am with Accessible Pharmacy Services for the Blind. We are a home delivery pharmacy service and healthcare company. Uh, we specialize in patients who are blind, deaf, blind, and have low vision. Uh, we're the only provider of its kind in the way that we support patients and help them manage their medication and manage their diabetes and, and get to a point where they can live independently and live healthier lives. And we're also the largest blind-owned healthcare company in the country. And so I'll share a quick background about our company. Um, I started the company with my business partner, Alex. Uh, Alex was diagnosed with retinitis pigmentosa in his teens. Um, by the time he graduated college, he had lost most of his usable eyesight. And he moved back to Philadelphia and ultimately earned a PhD from Drexel University. And he wrote his doctoral dissertation on the accessibility of the American retail marketplace for consumers who are blind. And so, in, you know, Alex and I are friendly. We actually know each other because our kids play Little League together. Um, and so 
as I learned more about Alex's research, you know, it became pretty obvious uh, the the pharmacy vertical in particular um, tended to be the the least accessible and the most challenging when it came to consumers who were blind and and deafblind as well. And so Alex and I spent about a year working on a business plan. Uh, the goal of the business plan was: what if we created a pharmacy model that addressed all of the challenges and needs experienced by an individual who was blind or deafblind? And it took us about a year to do it. Um, obviously, this was pre-pandemic. So once we had our business plan, we were all excited. We got in the car. I'm in Philadelphia, by the way. Um, we got in our car. We drove down to Baltimore. We spent the day at the NFB headquarters. We got feedback from everyone there. We had some really close connections with uh, the Pennsylvania ACB. Um, there are actually a few individuals there who work with us now. Um, I got feedback from them about like, what else we could be doing to make this model more accessible, more inviting, um, and what features and services could we be assembling to actually make the experience better? Um, and fast forward a little bit, you know, we brought in a third business partner who it had, uh, has his doctorate in pharmacy and spent the first 25 years of his career focusing on the concept of personalized medication. He focused on people with intellectual and cognitive disabilities, but it's all about not that one size fits all model where an individual walks into a pharmacy with their prescription and their credit card and their insurance card, and they walk out with their meds. Um, and even though a lot of the big pharmacy chains, they've perfected that model, by the way, that's why they all make billions of dollars. And they're all making efforts to be accessible. Like no one's inaccessible with malice. Um, you know, Charlotte gave some examples about some of the great things that CVS is doing, but for us, there was no one really offering that A to Z solution. So we launched it and we launched our business in April, 2020, like smack at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, it is what it is, but fast forward to today, we now have 65 employees, 25% of which are blind themselves. We are licensed to provide services in 34 states, including DC and Puerto Rico. And we're expanding. Our goal is to, by the end of the year, be in 20, all, all 50 uh, states and DC and Puerto Rico. Um, and it's awesome. Version 1.0 of our business was ideas that my business partner, Alex, and I had reconciled with his academic research, reconciled then with feedback that we got from all the Bs, and then reconciled again with focus groups that we were holding with um, individuals who are blind about what could we be doing to perfect this model. Um, and where we are right now is feedback that we're getting from patients, from conversations like this, from organizations to elevate our level. Um, we're agnostic towards solutions. Um, we have 10 different kinds of accessible packaging. We have 15 different kinds of accessible labeling. We have different ways to communicate with patients, whether it's through the telephone, through Be My Eyes, through VRI and VRS, when we have a deaf patient. For those of you who aren't familiar with it, it's actually uh, on-demand sign language interpreters. We work with deafblind patients through a multitude of communication solutions. It's all about figuring out what collection of solutions empower an individual to manage their own medication. Um, we're pretty excited. We do a few other things. I'll, I'll, I'll wrap this up quickly. Um, our website, by the way, is accessiblepharmacy.com. It's a screen reader friendly website. The easiest way to work with us is just reach out and call. Uh, we work with most insurance companies. Oh, by the way, we do work in Maryland and we're licensed in Maryland. Uh, we have some great patients and we're growing nicely in Maryland. Um, a few other things about us. Uh, we won the federal government advancement and accessibility award last year, along with Apple for the efforts that we did to advance accessibility in healthcare in America. 
Um, if you want to Google accessible pharmacy, New York times, there was a feature article written about us in the New York times last year, which was incredibly thrilling. Um, we're expanding our college internship program. We uh, had a single blind college student working with us last summer um, who we met through visions in New York city and it exceeded our expectations. And we actually have a student in the pipeline from Maryland uh, who's going to be working with us. And our goal with our interns, we have about five college interns working for us this summer. Um, We throw them in the deep end. We expose them to business and marketing and healthcare and sales and research. And so um, some of you may be getting calls from our student intern this summer, just so we can learn more and pick your brains and expose him or her to some of the things that you're doing. Um, And finally, something we're incredibly uh, excited about is um, we're launching a parallel telehealth program this summer. It's going to be called Accessible Telehealth. And the concept is to provide the most welcoming, accessible um, online telehealth platform for individuals with a full range of disabilities. Um, And so if you're not a patient of ours, we hope you join us. If you are a patient of ours, thank you. Um, Please feel free to give us ongoing feedback about what else we could be doing. Um, Oh, and finally, you know, we did, I did say finally before, but this is the real finally. Um, We ran a cool webinar yesterday and we have an ongoing educational program uh, with ongoing webinars. Yesterday's program focused on breast cancer information for women who are blind. Um, And there's some of the takeaways from it uh, include, uh, you know, oral instructions for a a woman who is blind about how she can do a self-exam. Um, and prevent and early detect breast cancer. There is information on our website about it. We're actually going to be posting the recordings on our website. So if anyone wants to learn or share this information uh, with other women, um, it's a great way to, to screen yourself and, and uh, you know prevent breast cancer. So thank you so much, everyone. Again, I'm going to officially stop talking now. And uh, I'm excited to hear some of the other speakers and hear everyone's questions. So thank you again. Um, I have a question and a comment. Um, if I If I don't ask them, I'll forget them. Um, Senility is fast approaching. Um, I I currently have CVS Caremark for my mail order pharmacy, and they send me my prescription bottles with Braille labels on them, which I love very much. And they also send me they send me my prescriptions in this great big cardboard box because they think that they have to do that because the Braille. The, the insert with all the information is in there too. So they, they don't want to crush that for some reason. So, um, so I get all these multiple page documents, but what is the difference or what, I, I don't want to say like, how are y'all better? But I mean, what are the difference, differences between using Braille labels from CVS Caremark and going with the accessible pharmacy services? Oh, cool. To get so labels. Oh, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, in, in my 10 minutes, I couldn't get that all out. But since you asked, um, I'll <laughs> gladly share it. Um, so our whole thing is, like I said, we're agnostic towards packaging and labeling. It's all about what works for the patient. So we have both uh, grade one and contracted Braille capabilities. So one of the things that, you know, we wouldn't just do a one size fits all like, oh, you read Braille, we're going to send you the way we want to send it to you. We try to understand what your Braille proficiency is. Um, the second thing is some of those little folded up pieces of paper that are in there that have no value to you. Um, we're actually required by law to include them. That being said, um, we can also combine a collection of solutions. So for example, if you read Braille, we can adhere Braille to the packaging and we can add a script talk label. And if you still have you know, a vis- you know, um, some level of vision, we can use large fonts. Um, so there's a lot, it's a combination of 
solutions that with the, the, the ultimate goal being, how does this work for you? Um, as far as packaging goes, you know, we have pre-sorted disposable pill organizers. So rather than you getting your medication and having to sort it yourself, we can pre-sort it. And we can pre-sort, by the way, your vitamins, your supplements, your uh, over-the-counter meds, and your prescription meds. And I believe, I don't know if CVS actually will add Braille to vitamins and supplements. I'm not positive about that. I was told they didn't, but I don't know for sure. Um, so I guess the long story short is um, we would combine a collection of solutions that you would get to pick that may make it easier for you to manage and understand your medication. Okay. Um, my other, just a comment, um, I don't know, <clears throat> for informational purposes. <clears throat> um, yesterday, I was on the the uh, breast cancer webinar. Oh, thank you so much. Very infor- informational. Um, but I have, I don't know where I got it even, or or who made it, but it is something called Mamacare. And what it is, it's a, a model of a breast with several lumps on it. And there's a cassette that came with it. Hmm. Shows I've had it for about 30 years. And it does go through all the the um the the ways to to do a breast self-exam. And if oh. you do it correctly, you'll find these lumps that are, are embedded in this foam rubber breast. And I don't know who made it, but it was a wonderful, wonderful way for for someone to learn how to do a breast self-exam. And I'm I'm just sorry that it's not available now. But um if anybody, if you if you would like to have it, um, so oh. that you can make mass produce it and make it available to people now. Um, that might be something that, you know, that we could, we could. Uh, you, I for, could oh, I'd love to, why don't you and I connect offline? Um, yeah, I'd I will. love to learn more about that and make that okay. available. I'll talk to you. Uh, interesting. That. I don't know. I don't know if it came out in the, I don't know if you caught this part of the webinar. We just, uh, the American Cancer Society just transcribed all of its breast cancer brochures into Braille for us. So we have like <clears> six <throat> different Braille brochures. Um, about breast cancer, if it would be helpful to you, let us know. I'll, I'll send you a batch. Okay, good. And and I'll and I'll send you this. I've copied it onto MP3 files, so okay. that, you know I'll send those to you and and uh, um, and see what you think. Perfect. Okay. On, on a side note, I just found a collection of my cassette tapes from college, and I was so <laughs> excited. I don't have a cassette player, <laughs> so they're just they're just like you know uh, antiques at this point. This is Allison. We have a raised hand on the attendee side. Would you like to take it now? Oh, sure. Okay. Area code 847, ending in 712. If you would identify yourself, please. Hi, this is uh, Brian again uh, from Maryland. Hey. Hi. Thank you very much for your presentation. Um, My home has a external mailbox that's a big metal thing with lots of people's mailboxes all together that's outside and bakes in the sun and freezes in the winter. So I wonder how does mail order pharmacy address those situations? Good question. You know, once again, it's all about the preference of the patient. So we can deliver products a few different ways. We can, if you're in the greater Philadelphia area, we use uh, medical couriers. But when we deliver to people you know, out of our area, we use a combination of the post office, FedEx, and UPS. The things that make us determine which to use um, primarily are the patient. So if you say, hey, the UPS driver, they, they hide it behind a bush and just drive away, and I have to be a detective to find my package. 
we'll avoid UPS. Um, if it's you need a signature in order to guarantee that it gets up in your hand, it gets into your hands, we could do that as well. The only time we usually use FedEx is we find FedEx to be the most responsible when it comes to delivering certain controlled substances that require refrigeration. Um, so I, I guess the punchline is um, we would have to let's go on a phone call and let's identify you know who from your perspective delivers the packages to you in the most responsible way and increases the likelihood of you getting your package. That's what we'll use. And by the way, we don't charge anything for delivery. So regardless of which provider we use for delivery, um, there's no cost for the patient. Um, thank you. I guess, I guess my question involved also the sort of the safety of a medication that's going to be sitting in the hot sun or in the, the very cold outside in the external mailbox. Well, what we could, I mean, this, I don't know the exact situation, but what we would do is we could actually set it up where that package, rather than just dropped off in that box, has to physically be put in your hands and signed for. And we can coordinate oh, that. I see. Great. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. Okay. We have another raised hand. Barbie, if you can unmute. Hello. Hello. I just wanted to share with you that you can order a cassette tape off of QBC, like a radio. I ordered a radio, and it has cassette tape player, and you can record. And it also has the modern way to do, like it has SD slots and flash drive slots and everything. So okay. I thought I'd let you know that. I may go to the thrift shop later this week to see if there's one there. If not, plan B is going to be QVC. So thank you. Okay, you're welcome. That's all the raised hands for now. All right, I'm going to mute myself then, and I'm excited to hear the next speaker. Okay. Okay. I guess that'll be Janine. Yeah. Hi, everyone. It's Janine Stanley with Ira, and today I'm going to talk about COVID testing. I first want to thank uh, Charlotte and Andy for the great service that they provide to everyone. Uh, I'm a longtime Envision America customer, and I'm excited to hear about all of the different options that Andy is providing. So for those of you who do not know what IRA is, IRA is a visual interpreting service, and we're available through your smartphone, either iOS or Android, and we connect you to professional visual interpreters. So these are people that are paid and specially trained by our uh, IRA staff. They are part of the IRA organization, <clears throat> and they actually understand blindness, so um, the one of our customers said, well, they speak blind. Yeah, they actually do. <laughs> so, and now they speak Spanish. So if you are a Spanish speaker, we can accommodate that as well. So we're going to talk about COVID testing and pardon my voice right now. I'm <clears throat> having some of the winter spring issues everybody's having at this point in time. <laughs> but um, when the pandemic first started, and it feels like forever ago, but back in 2020, uh, we looked at everything that was available and not available and wondered what we could do. So we began to survey people about what their challenges were. Then in 2021, in fact, we probably all remember this time last year when we were scrambling to get vaccine appointments and scheduling, and so much of it was inaccessible. So we developed a promotion out of IRA 
that would help you and give you some time to actually have assistance navigating those inaccessible websites. Well, that promotion was really used quite a bit until last summer when the vaccination rates began to go down. Everyone had their vaccines, or most people did. Things were great, except in our overseas markets where the the promo was still being used. Then we hit November, well, actually September, and then November when um, at-home COVID tests were publicly available, and people began calling to use the promo to help with their COVID testing because, of course, we know none of that information, or at least extremely little of it is accessible. And it's usually instructions that are either vague or refer to a lot of visual diagrams on how to do your home test. So we shifted the promo to cover home testing as well. And then in late January, early February, uh, we worked with the NFB to cover the cost of your your, uh, COVID testing here in the U.S. So you have unlimited time to take a COVID home test, either the rapid antigen or the uh, PCR test at home. And also we are going to provide you with, and we do this anyway, but especially for these tests, we're going to provide a photo of the test results. If you need that for whatever, if you need to attend an event, you need to have it for your children's school. You need to administer the test to someone else as a caregiver in your home. You are the one who would be doing that for your children or for someone else in your home. So that's available. Our Agents are familiar with a number of the different test kits and procedures that you're going to have to use. And I will give you some advice on how to take your test because it's really intimidating if you've never taken one of these before. And especially if you are experiencing symptoms and you're thinking, do I have COVID? Oh, no. Uh, it's, It's a very anxiety producing experience. So, Our agents, the biggest thing we do in this whole process is A, understand how nerve-wracking this can be, B, stay calm and objective, and C, understand what you're physically going to have to do to complete the procedure. Now, if you've received your tests from the federal government, probably the first thing you want to do when you receive those tests is to give Ira a call and find those expiration dates. Uh, sometimes they're located in strange places on the package. Sometimes the print doesn't scan properly if you're using an app like Seeing AI or uh, one of the other apps to scan the packaging to find those expiration dates. And you're going to want to put them somewhere. So what I did with mine, I got the information from the agent, then I brailled on the packaging exactly what the expiration dates were. But if you are not a Braille reader, you can have the agent send that information to you in an email. And that way you'll have it and you'll know when the expiration date is for those tests because they do have one and they're actually not going to be effective at all if you use them after the expiration date. So that's uh, tip number one. Now we have a whole part of our website. Uh, You can go to our main website, which is Ira. Dot io that's a i r a dot i o and right up in the banner at the top of the page we have a link for covid resources and that's going to take you right to our covid promotion page we've got a video on there of uh, taking a test we also have a tip sheet 
that is an accessible PDF. You can download that and go through the tips of how to set up to take your test, how to set up your area, uh, how to position your phone so the agents can see uh, the test materials and everything, and then what else you can do to make that test a success. So I would like to take people's questions right now about the whole COVID testing process. And I would definitely love to hear about any efforts to make these tests more accessible because we are happy to step up behind any organization that is looking to make these things accessible. I'm not sure how the, you could do it, but we are happy to to put ourselves out of business, basically, uh, in this arena. The other thing I wanted to mention was that Ira does have a lot of experience, also our agents do, with other kinds of medical devices in the home and other kinds of testing in the home. We work a lot with uh, people with diabetes, with all of the different testing products, etc. in that arena. And we were doing that, you know, pretty much from the start of Ira. So that's something that we're pretty familiar with. Pregnancy testing, um, all sorts of other home medical care. I have to set up a blood pressure machine today that is not accessible, but it's a specific type that our doctor wanted us to use. So we're setting that up with Ira. So that's definitely something else that we can do. We also do a lot of reading of prescriptions. And in that vein, we also let people know about services like Script Talk and like Accessible Pharmacy. So that, you know, again, we, our biggest hope is to put ourselves out of business someday because there is all this accessibility. So let me open it up to questions from anyone. Janine, this is Pat She and have a, have a question hey, or a comment. Hey, Thank you. Sure. First of all, thank you. This is an excellent panel. I appreciate it. Uh, just to give you some information, one of the our new members from Maryland, uh, Gary Morin, uh, works at NIH, and he has gotten ACB uh, president and Eric and others uh, involved with the folks and the manufacturers who are putting these uh, kits together and the vendors together through NIH to say, you know, you need to make them accessible. So we do have people now that are communicating directly with ACB, maybe maybe to put you guys out of business. Uh, <laughs> that would be it great. Wasn't, uh, it wasn't done uh, like a lot of things. It wasn't done when it should have been done. But mm -hmm. we do have those people talking to the manufacturers. I think there's about 15 of them. I don't yes. know what the current state is, but... Uh, they're working with them to talk about accessibility because we think we can incorporate that into the manufacturing. So that's, that's a good thing. Oh, that's uh, my great. second. Yeah. My second thing that I, so ACB is stepping up and trying to solve that problem long term. Mm -hmm. And that's great. Uh, second question is in the federal government, I was asked to, um, as part of our compliance requirements that we have, I was asked to take a picture of my uh, vaccine card and supply it to people within my organization so that um, uh, basically so I wouldn't be terminated, I guess, is the best way to put mm -hmm. it. <clears throat> if I call up Ira and I say I need uh, this, uh, I need to have access to someone so that they can take a picture of my, um, my uh, vaccine card, is that... Uh, part of your prom promos that yes. you have with that qualify? Yes. 
Okay. So you can absolutely do that for free um, using an IRA agent. We can also crop that photo so that we can take out all the extemporaneous things around your vaccine card, make it look good, make sure it's not blurry, etc., and do both sides of it so that you've got uh, both of the sides of that card available for you. And we can email that or and or because we can do both or we can have it in the IRA app so that you can get to it through the more tab and the photos button and uh, have the share sheet right there so you can email it to someone directly from the app. Wow. Okay. Oh, that's beautiful Mm -hmm. too. I didn't know that. Great. Thank you, Janine. Good. Yes, sir. Great. Any, any other questions? Um, Just a comment. I did get an IRA agent to take a picture of my, a vaccine card and I have a JPEG file now and I can print it out and give somebody a copy whenever I need to. Um, my, my only concern with these COVID tests is that now that we don't have the glasses anymore, um, it's sort of hard what to do with your phone because you got your phone in one hand, you're holding it over whatever you're doing. And then you need two hands to do your, your whatever you do with your test results, stick it in the liquid thing or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's sort of hard. I wish there was a hands-free, I guess you could put a lanyard around your neck or something, but that might be a little bit awkward. I'm not sure how to handle the phone. Well, what we recommend and what the agents have found is best is to get, say, a box of maybe about four to six inches high. So an Amazon box is great, actually, and I'm sure most of us have many of those around. Or you can stack up a couple of books. Or uh, in my case, when I did one of our test videos, I stacked up a couple boxes of instant rice. You know, <laughs> Something that's going to make a stand of about four to six inches high. You're going to put your phone on top of that with the screen facing the ceiling. And that back-facing camera that Ira uses is going to face down toward your work surface. Then you're going to slide that phone so that that back-facing camera is sticking out over the edge of whatever your box or your, your surface is. And it's going to be pointing down at the table. And then you're going to work under that surface so the agent can see your hands. <clears throat> and they may ask you to... As you're dripping that liquid on, they may ask you to move it a little bit uh, so that they can see that you have dripped the correct amount of liquid. That is hard for anybody, though. And I will tell you that the couple we've done a couple demos with different types of kits and getting that liquid in the right place is really probably the hardest part of the whole thing. Um, the kits will tell you, oh, you have to have exactly this number of drops. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if you can do three squeezes in the bottle and get your three drops in there or your six drops or however many you need to get, um, it's still going to work. Yes, it's it's always best if it's precise, but I am really skeptical that every sighted person who does it gets exactly three drops in that little well or six drops or whatever you need. Um, so that's basically how we recommend that you position the phone. Um, the hands-free, I'm not entirely sure that the glasses would even help with this because of the way you would have to position your head for them to be able to see what you're doing. It could be a little difficult. So that's why we recommend placing the phone the way we do. That's a great idea. I never thought about that. (laughs) Yep. Okay. 
And you can actually do that for just about any project that you're doing, from signing something to um, cooking to anything, is positioning that phone over what you're doing. And you can do that with a phone stand, or you can do it by putting it um, on something to make it a little bit higher up from the surface. Huh. Any other questions? Yeah. Anyone else? Oh, I'm not seeing any raised hands right now. (laughs) I'll give you one big tip. The long sticks that they give you with the swab on one end, um, we go over how to do this in our in our little cheat sheet and our video, but those sticks are pretty long. And when you take them out of the package, you can kind of feel the package and the agent will help you orient it so that you get it on the end that's not the swab. So you can pull it out and keep that swab sterile. But I tell people, grip that stick as close to the swab as you can because... <laughs> Don't be Janine and don't poke yourself in the eye with it because you're holding it way down at the bottom. <laughs> so, and that whole stick does not need to go up your nostril. It's only a, a oh, maybe an inch, if that. Um, as long as you get the entire swab part in there, you're good. So uh, I found that that was probably the biggest tip is to be able to grip that as close to the swab as you can so that you can make sure that you have... Um, control of it basically okay that's that's certainly a good good Mm -hmm. um, tip because i know i think i would probably poke myself in the eye too (laughs) (laughs) it was pretty intimidating i thought you know you think you have control of these things until you realize how long it is and how sort of i mean it is not flexible but it is definitely um a little bit tougher than it looks yeah And also take your time and relax. Yeah. Any other questions? Still no raised hands. Oh, sorry. I mean, this is Pat again. Um, You mentioned the video. I think that would Mm -hmm. be able to review before I started. Where, Where was that located again? So that is the easiest way to get to it. I can give you the long um, address. It is ira.io slash ira dash covid dash promotion or you can just go to ira.io and then we have a covid resources tab up in the banner so right at the top of our web page you'll see something that says covid resources you can double tap on that or uh, however you're going to interact with that and get to our covid page and everything you need is going to be on that page i go for <clears throat> Well, I think I'm definitely going to get my vaccinations read. I've got the box from the federal government. I have a COVID test box that a friend gave me, and I have one that I got from Amazon. So I have Ah. all sorts of COVID tests, (laughs) and I really don't know what the expiration dates are. So definitely check those dates. Have to write those down. So that's a good idea. Absolutely. Okay. Well, if there are no other raised hands, <clears throat> why don't we go ahead with our door prizes? Miss Sandra, we can do two. Doors. All right. Thank you, Jane. Okay. So our first door prize is going to be from National Braille Press. It is the mor- Monday morning quote. And a Braille ruler. 
Is that 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 one that slides? Um, no, it's the, that, that's just the regular NLS, one. You know that has the one to twelve, and it. Oh, that's and, cool. Yeah. Okay. Amazon, give me a random number between one and one hundred and four. Here's a number between one and one hundred four. It's thirty-five. Thirty-five. Thirty-five is Brian Holly. Okay. Congratulations, Brian. Got it. Got it. Okay. And one more. Okay. Next, we have a, um, it's from APH, you know, the Insight Calendars, Braille and Print. They have the um, different artwork from various artists who are blind or have low vision. And another Braille ruler. Okay. Amazon, give me a random number between 1 and 104. Here's a number between 1 and 104. It's 102. Okay. That is Cache Wells again. <laughs> Wait, we need another part because you can't win we need twice. Another one? Okay, mm-hmm. we can't give it one to the same. Okay. Amazon. Give me a random number between one and 104. Here's a number between one and four. It's 52. <clears throat> 52 is Jamaica Miller. Congratulations, Jamaica. Hey, Jamaica. You have won yourself Good. a calendar and a Braille ruler. Cool. Okay. Thank you, Jane. Yeah. Uh-huh. Thank you. Okay, let's see. Is it the time police say that it's five of? It's not quite time for our next panel yet. Do we want to do one more door prize? Or do you want to do one more? We could take a five-minute break, Jane. And, uh, well, we could just talk. Does anybody have any comments about the, the convention so far? Things you liked, things you didn't, things you're looking forward to? Anybody have any comments? I think it's been it's been excellent so far. I really love um, the variety and the speakers that we've heard thus far, and the wealth of information that they're sharing with us. And I I'm really impressed with all of our presenters have been so giving of their time, and um, they all come in ahead of time, which is really, I'm really pleased about that because I'm the, I'm the resident warrior and, you know, so, so I'm, I'm very happy about that. So this is, this has been really good. And I, every year we, we do this convention and we say, we're never going to be able to top the one we did last year. And each year we do. So, um, so this, this is a lot of fun. We have a lot of resources here in Maryland, and and now that we're on uh, Zoom, we can have resources from all over the country, and we really appreciate that. So um, that's that's good. Big shout out to ACB mm-hmm. Media, the uh, work that, that you guys are doing behind the scenes. Streaming, recognizing um, the people. Can you hear me? Yeah. My audio is just mad. Uh, hi. Um, I wanted to say everything's been fantastic also, um, but I just want to keep Kathy Brandt in prayer again because of David. Audio Holmes. lower hand button group. Mute uh, my audio. Yeah. You know, my condolences to Kathy. Yeah. 
those yeah. of you who weren't here last night, um, uh, we we have a longtime member here in Maryland, David Pullman, who has just died. And and he was a good friend to ACB of Maryland. And we extend our condolences to to Kathy Brandt, his his longtime uh, partner and friend and um, his family. And and, you know, we'll, we won't forget him. So, nope. Nope. Mm-mm. Thank you. Also, um, Pat, isn't today your birthday? Oh, yeah. Yes, it is that. Okay. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy the birthday. president of the uh, National Capital Area Chapter. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate it. This is Allison. We have a couple of raised hands from the okay. attendees. Uh, Gary. Okay. Uh, Gary, go ahead. Yes, I just wanted to say, man, that movie was fantastic. It was, it was great. Ninette and I um, watched it and just loved it. We, we don't see too many movies, but that movie was thought provoking and just really, uh, I think you picked a great movie that for Wasn't that a good movie? And she did a real, the, the Cynthia, whatever, who did, who did that? She was a wonderful actress. She that was. was a wonderful movie. It was. Yeah. So thank you for thinking of mm-hmm. that. Sure. Helped us uh, pick out, gave us a couple of suggestions he thought and thought that one might be good. And of course, uh, this afternoon at four o'clock, Jane, we have yep, four o'clock. someone from the Harriet Tudman Museum coming to speak to us. So we'll get more information about that. And that, that is a museum I'd like to get out. To. Yeah. Pat, your, your microphone's breaking up again. Really? I don't know why. Yeah. It's not working we well. Is this better? Yes, it's better, Pat. Okay. All right. Very good. How are we there doing on a, time? Well, there was another raised oh, hand. I'm sorry. Yeah, let's go with the raised hand. Hey, Joanne, you may talk. Jane, I remember that rubber breast because yeah. it, was a, it was a survey from the University of Florida or something. And they they were supposed to you were supposed to they were supposed to be figuring out you know how accessible it was and how how well you um did you know with breast self exams on that rubber breast or something mm. so and I, I got, it's been eons ago but yeah i remember that that thing yeah um, it was I, it was narrated by Francis Kelly from WG uh, or Massachusetts or WGBH. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Okay. So that's, but I'll 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 get with Brian, um, Andy about Andy, that. And, there you go. And there, we'll see there, whether we can get it. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. an excellent company. Um, accessible pharmacy services. Um, Thank you. I purchased a glucometer from them. Um, a prod- a new Prodigy Voice recently. And um, they were, they're very helpful and all that kind of, you know. Wonderful. It's, it's, it's amazing how many resources we have now. Um, I mean, I always tell people, if you need to be blind, then now's a pretty good time because yes, there's so many resources. Um, it's true. You know, very true. I'm lusting um, after and I, You guys have done a great job. You guys have really done an excellent job with all these presentations. They've really been very good so far. Great. Well, the time police say that it's time for our next panel. Um, Pat, this is your panel, and I see that your your participants are here. They I'm certainly so are. Go yes, ahead. very much so. So thank you. I appreciate it. 
So let's keep the uh, information rolling. Uh, I appreciate this next is one of the uh, initiatives of the American Conference of Blind is health and wellness. We have a, an excellent panel coming up. Uh, I'd like to present, uh, to lead off the panel, Anthony Stevens, who is the ACB's Director of Development Stations. And he will be followed by uh, Connie Sims, who is the president of South Dakota Association of Blind and also board member. And uh, following Connie, who will talk uh, about what the affiliates can do. And Tony will talk about the larger ACB initiative and followed by following Connie will be Leslie Spoon, who's going to talk to us about that not only the benefits of exercise, but I think she may get us up and get moving uh, just doing an extraordinary job with keeping everyone fit. Your classes during the week, I hear lots of people are excited about those, Leslie. So I'm looking forward to this panel. And uh, Tony, you're one of us in Maryland. Why don't you kick it off? Thank you, sir. I, I'm proudly one of everybody in Maryland. Hey, good morning, everybody. Thanks so much for the opportunity for us to come here from the Get Up and Get Moving Committee. And to really share with you one of the major initiatives that is sort of a new way of, of sort of um, marriaging between partnerships, advocacy, public awareness, and American Council of Blind. We've been very excited by the campaign, and a huge thanks to the campaign committee. Tom Tobin's the chair, but it's uh, the members as well that do a large amount of the lifting. So thanks to Connie on our board, and and Leslie as well, who have been rock stars with the campaign over the past year. So as I get started, I just wanted to to say thanks to them. I would be remiss too, just as we're getting started on behalf of the national office, to say we're we're deeply sorry to hear about Dave and. Thinking of Kathy, and um, you know, it's it's a loss, especially when it's someone that's that's on the local front. Um, you know, that that makes family a little bit closer in that sense. So, we're thinking of them on the happy side. Pat, you share good company. It's Kelly Gasks on our team's birthday as well. So, happy birthday to you, and also happy birthday to Kelly Gask, uh, who those that know our national office with ACB. Kelly lives down in Virginia on the other side of the river, and uh, is a huge part of our communications team. Uh, what we're going to be talking about today in terms of the get up and get moving, a lot of it has to do with communications and messaging on some issues that have been deep seated. What I'll do before handing it over to Connie and Leslie is having an opportunity uh, to really frame uh, the campaign, how it came to sort of fruition and, and came to be as a result of the pandemic and really sort of pulling back the curtain, if you will, on a lot of the underlying issues that we know as a family in ACB has been existing for generations, right, throughout the the course of modern blindness and vision impairment. So we'll talk a little bit about that and then sort of the campaign structure. And then I'll hand it over to, to Connie and, and Leslie, who can then sort of talk about the action on what's actually being done, which is exciting and how it ties into some things like the ACB community already, where there are things that are sort of sponsored or, or within the frame and the, the values of the campaign that we want to make sure we amplify. And then I'm going to have a call to action to you all, myself as a fellow Marylander um, as well, um, to uh, to sort of have some action uh, that maybe we all can participate in together in Omaha or virtually when we get to Omaha. So that'll be towards the end of when I'm having a chance to talk here this morning. Uh, so uh, the Get Up and Get Moving campaign, you know, as people who are blind and visually impaired, we obviously know that it takes a lot of time to go places. Uh, we know that there's challenges uh, in trying to navigate our streets safely and to get up off our own tuckishes and, and get out of the door and walk around. Um, I live here on North Charles Street uh, here in Baltimore now in an apartment. 
uh, just below Penn Station. And while I've got an audible pedestrian signal on one end, a couple blocks down the street, uh, I don't have one right outside my door. So I will have to walk three blocks out of the way to safely cross because I'm afraid I'm going to get sidewiped by a bus or someone like that that's turning on the Charles because it's a busy street in town. So even though you might live in an urban setting that is accessible, we still find ourselves having to go out of the way uh, to safely feel like we're independent. Um, that's for those of us that do get up and get moving regularly, right? The challenges we face if it's trying to find accessible transportation to get around. Uh, we might find ourselves walking an awful lot because that transportation fails. Um, construction that happens on streets, all the things that that make it a challenge sometimes to get out into our community. But then there are the thousands and thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people who are the silent sort of voices in our community that don't even get up. Uh, for the newly people who are blind and visually impaired, you know, the, the labor statistics uh, uh, does the, or not the labor, the Bureau, the U.S. Census Bureau runs what's called the American Community Survey each year. So there's roughly about 200, 250,000 people a year that are newly blind or visually impaired on a significant level. Uh, we know a lot of those people are older. We know that diabetes is one of the leading causes of blindness for uh, adults in the United States, diabetic retinopathy, followed by glaucoma. Uh, we know these predominantly hidden communities of color, if we're looking in the Latina community or an African-American community or indigenous people's communities around the country, they're disproportionately even higher. And those are in neighborhoods and communities oftentimes where transportation is limited, uh, the things to live a healthy life like good food and nutrition are limited, um, access to safe streets, access to streets that have good sidewalks and things like that. And even just feeling safe in some of your communities. I know here in Baltimore alone, for those that, that live here in Baltimore alone, um, you know, is it, is it safe to go out at night and things like that in some neighborhoods? There's all these various challenges that are disproportionately hitting the community, people who are blind and visually impaired. And as we have, you know, hundreds of thousands of people each year sort of entering our ranks, if you will, uh, that make up roughly the 4.2 million Americans that are significantly visually impaired or blind in our country. Uh, there's substantial challenges that make people just not get out to sit on their couches. These have been systemic barriers that we have known for a long time in our blindness community. We always talk about 70% of people are not employed, right? They're not even looking. They're just stuck at home. We talk about all the people in terms of, you know, the mobility aids and the issues we get in trying to get out and the frustrations we face. There's a lot of disincentives and a lot of what we call structural barriers to our independence in our communities. So these are things we've known in a long time, but it wasn't until the pandemic came around in 2020, we're almost two years in, folks might remember two years ago at this very time, we were having our leadership conference in Washington, D.C., down in Alexandria at the Holiday Inn. And you might remember a lot of at every conference, there's always flu going around and everyone's getting sick. Um, but there was something else that was stirring that every now and then someone would be like, oh, I wonder if that's, you know, you're listening to the news and there's a cruise liner during that conference in California that wouldn't be allowed in. And slowly and slowly it spread. And then a few weeks from now, we'll have our two year anniversary for when things really locked down across the country and here in Maryland, when Hogan put into effect all the rules and laws. Uh, and I remember standing on Charles Street at, at my home at that time in Federal Hill. And it was a ghost town, right? Nobody was out. And then suddenly our world changed. We had to know exactly where to stand and how far to stand away from people. And we were afraid to go out and we were afraid to, to, to deal with the navigation. Is it safe for us to stand next to someone? We don't know if they're wearing a mask. So even more, we got isolated. Even those of us that were independent and getting out of the community, we got shut in and shut down. And it was hard for everybody we know. So at that time, as we're realizing the real impact of the social isolation, 
you know, we were doing work with like Procter and Gamble to get stuff to people, right? We were trying to get emergency care packages to people in certain cities around the country, thanks to Procter and Gamble. And we were wrestling with this issue of how do we get to people? And that was really the birth of the ACB community and this whole explosion of Zoom that so many people here on this Zoom meeting with the Maryland conference today are engaged with now. But in the national office, we were really wrestling with, you know, look, this is what this is doing is pulling back the curtain on issues that have existed for a long time for us. But now they're just exacerbated, right? The whole thing with where do we stand and how, who are we standing by and is it safe? And do I want to ride the bus anymore? And we started to see our health conditions decline and, 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 and increase. I myself know I got the COVID-19. I didn't get the virus yet. Thank God. Or well, I probably got it. I don't know if I got it because testing is so hard, as we were hearing with Janine with that great presentation earlier about how we can try to find our accessible tests. But we know it's a challenge. So maybe I had it. I don't know. But, you know, in all that time, um, we're, we're, we're standing here in the national office and we're thinking to ourselves, Look, you know, I gained the COVID-19 in terms of pounds, right? That's what I talk about in a sense of a gaining weight just by not getting out, by being sedative. So in that sense, you know, we really started to realize, look, this is, this is not just the fear causing the psychological stress for us to stay in because of the pandemic, but there was so much more at stake that we were, we ourselves were at risk of gaining weight. Um, I found out this past year I'm borderline for diabetic. I got to get my weight under control. Luckily, it's I'm so thankful it's not, you know, something that's a critical now. But my A1Cs were high, and and my doctor starts telling me, "Look, you got to start exercising because you're not at it yet, but you're you you're not where you were two years ago before the pandemic." So there's realities that our community is really facing, and we know they've existed a long time for all those that have just been unable to get up and get moving. So in August of 2020, we started working on the idea for a campaign. We started crowdsourcing it with some of our corporate partners, folks in some of the tech sector, where there's technology that's leveraging, you know, accessible way mapping and things like that, stuff that Pat has worked oftentimes through the WMATA committee and other groups with, uh, you know, knows specifically here in Maryland. Um, There's other transportation advocacy that, I mean, Maryland knows very well. You all have led the way in some ways of, of accessible uh, pedestrian access and things like that. You know, some of these folks that are in these circles, we started talking to and saying, you know, this is, this is an issue that's been existing for a long time. And it just, it just reached that summit. Right. So in that sense, we started saying, look, we need to, we need to do something. We need to start working with our corporate partners to do major public awareness in a way that hasn't really been done. Several years ago, ACB participated before I was at ACB in sort of this national convening up in New York city, uh, thanks to Senator Gillibrand. And it was, what are the big issues for blindness that we're facing. And the one area that came up at that round table and didn't come to a conclusion was the public awareness side. We've always dealt with public awareness issues around the blindness of visually impaired community, right? Um, how do we amplify our voice? How do we get it out? And how do we get people to understand these true real issues that are holding us back from opportunity and being independent? So that was an issue. We know at the same time, there was all this stuff we needed to advocate for, right? The concerns around the pandemic specifically for the diabetic community, our friends and brothers and sisters and diabetics for action, uh, diabetics in Action uh, affiliate, you know, wrestling with real things even before the pandemic with durable medical goods, things like the Freestyle Libre and things that were not accessible, things that can manage their health. And we had members on our committee, our information committee, like Brian Charlson and Jeff Bishop, who knew how technology could really be liberating. So we knew that there was a sense that there could be ways for technology and for advocacy to really start making some of these structural changes. And so that sort of created this advocacy bubble as well. And in the same sense, too, we started talking with our members and, and, and bringing together folks into a committee this past year 
and and came up with the name the Get Up and Get Moving. It just sort of came to us in a smaller group setting one day. Like it's, what do we need to do? What should we call this campaign? And it was simple. We need to get up and we need to get moving. And not just because of the pandemic, but because of blindness in general, right? Because it's been that generational issue that we know there's so many of our brothers and sisters around the country who have lost their sight, these hundreds of thousands each year, but even the hundreds and thousands and even millions before us who are still feeling like they're stuck on their couch. They're afraid to take that first step. And I know that fear. Those that know me closely uh, know I've been hit four times. I'm like a cat. I always joke about my nine lives and I'm on like seven or eight now. Um, it's, it's, it's afraid to take that first step and cross that street, right? Even with an uh, audible pedestrian signal, an accessible pedestrian signal, you still take a step and you don't know. So we want to create an environment that empowers people. And that was the other part of the equation, a campaign that would empower people and inspire us all to want to get up and get moving and to do it safely. And to, to, to not be afraid to take that first step to know that there's resources and tools out there for people that maybe aren't getting up and getting moving even if it's in their own living room. And that's what Leslie can, can share a lot about the great work she's doing in terms of even getting people moving up in their own house and taking those first steps around the chair, around the room. Maybe then they'll step outside, right? It's an aspirational goal that we have that's twofold. One, a national public awareness campaign that deals with advocacy and information and education on these key structural barriers I talked about already this morning. And in that sense, our hope is that we can educate the larger community and build a platform for empowerment, particularly for these communities of color and marginalized groups that we've talked about that can allow us to finally begin to move towards giving them the platform, right? Uh, too oftentimes, these are communities that even within our own organization of ACB, we've been dealing with over the conversations the past year that we need to get greater participation and inclusion. And my hope is through this campaign, we can offer that platform in that stage. And, you know, I think in that sense, um, it's, it's talking about issues that matter to people. Like any sort of political election, you know, they always say, talk about the issues that matter most to the community. And we've been listening through this process and going through listening and working to, to strengthen our planning committee. Uh, and so in that sense, we have a three-year campaign now, the Get Up and Get Moving campaign. The first real physical event will take place in Omaha, and I'll talk about that in just a minute. But it's going to span through three years. It's going to take us through Omaha, Chicago, and then Jacksonville. And the idea is that we bring together our public awareness partners. We've already got several of our health heroes, we call them, thanks to Vanda Pharmaceutical, Walmart. Uh, we're working with the uh, American Printing House for the Blind and Vision Impaired. They've been a big uh, supporter of the campaign as well. And we're talking to additional groups now who can help us out, you know, groups in the uh, retail industry that deal with health and outdoor fitness, in the parks, National Park Service, groups like that, that really talk about how can we just push the idea that we need to get up and get moving because it'll make a substantial impact. If we walk just one block, if you have aged wet macular degeneration, those that know uh, AMD, the wet macular degeneration, walking one block a day can have a huge increase in, in, in helping slow the impact of your, your macular degeneration. So you're slowing the vision loss. You might be visually impaired now, but you're slowing down the train that's coming. The same with if you can walk a little bit every day and get your A1Cs under control for diabetes, if people just moved, 96% of diabetic retinopathy could be eradicated, gotten rid of. 96%, according to the American Diabetes Association, could be curtailed if we just, through physical exercise, get our A1Cs under control for type 2 diabetics. These are huge goals. These are aspirational. Our hope is over the next three years, we can do public awareness 
that lets us know the importance of getting up and getting moving. And thanks to folks like the Walmart through the Walton Foundation, who has huge access to clients and customers through their vision care center and their pharmacies. We hope to be able to, to amplify this public awareness campaign. But we need your help as an organization, right? As, a, as members of ACB Maryland, uh, or wherever you might be by joining here in the conference today, we need your help. We can't do this alone. It's a campaign. The more we get uh, affiliates helping set this platform and helping build the platform so that we can get the voices we need to get that are impacted by not being able to get up and get moving effectively. So we can give the stage and hand the mic over to those communities. Then the more we have an opportunity to really make this campaign a success. So one way that we can get involved is the ACB walk. We're going to be doing a major event in tandem with the ACB walk in Omaha. They have the second largest pedestrian bridge in the world. Who would have thought Omaha? I know, I know. Yay for Omaha, Nebraska. And with that opportunity, I think there's an excellent way that we can really um, safely in that space. And you get to walk through two states. It's exciting. So those that are going to come to Maryland, join us, right, for this event. And, um, you know, I think that's going to be working. We're working with Donna Brown in West Virginia, our great neighbor uh, to the West. Donna, a lot of folks know with the walk committee, Um, you know, and I think we'll be working with them and getting excited about this chance. But what I challenge, and I'm, I'm a Marylander as well, so, so shoot me an email, astevens at acb.org. Uh, Joan and Pat, like, do we have a Maryland walk team? If we don't, I'm happy to help take the lead on that. But I want to I I talk to our own affiliate members here. Let's, let's get Maryland walking. And if you can't come to Omaha, we'll find ways to get virtual with it. But, you know, I'm committed as a Marylander here now today to help get that walk team up and running. So um, I want Maryland to represent. I want Baltimore to represent. And, you know... Um, so I'm throwing that challenge out there and, and I'm here to be of help uh, in our national office. I know we're always slammed and busy. I feel like I'm not, I live in Maryland, but I'm always tied to the national office. Right. But I want this to be an opportunity to get more involved locally. Um, and even if it's us, you know, trying to figure out a way that we can all uh, get moving, get walking. If you're in Baltimore, um, let me know, you know, shoot me an email and maybe we can try to think of ways to, to help get this campaign on a grassroots level going. Um, here locally in Baltimore City, if it's with the mayor's office or if it's with the governor's office, you know, if it's reaching out to Bill Ferguson or others um, in Annapolis and Mayor uh, Governor Hogan, um, you know, ways that we can try to get some of this stuff on a local level. Um, feel free to shoot me a note because we'd love to work with Maryland and we'd love to, to engage with that. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities. There's a lot of things the committee are doing. I'm going to hand it over now to Connie, who's on our board of directors and is helping lead uh, the advocacy efforts around uh, the movement. And she, she can talk a little bit about some of the stuff we're advocating for that. Obviously, Maryland, you're always there advocating because so many of you all live, you know, Washington is like the the, the black hole that we all spin around uh, here in Washington, D.C. Uh, that sucks us all into with its gravitational pull. So, you know, I think in that sense, um, there's a lot of opportunities for Maryland as well, with the leadership conference coming up. Uh, but Connie, I'm going to hand it over to you and, and share a little bit about, you know, your experiences uh, too, just from South Dakota and your experiences as a pedestrian, as a, as a, as a leader who's blind and visually impaired, um, representing rural communities and other communities. Um, you know, uh, so, you know, Pat, thanks so much for the invitation. And Connie, I'm going to hand the mic over to you now. Thanks, Tony. And thanks, Pat, for having us, Marilyn. Um, I'm really happy to, to be here and getting up and get moving. Um, health and wellness is really close to my heart. Um, I've always been someone who's always been very active. Um, I remember growing up, always getting exercise equipment for my folks. That's, that was something that I loved to get. I loved to work out. I loved to walk or run when I was younger. Um, and 
that's health has always been my my love because I am, you know, a certified medical uh, massage practitioner, and I sort of I I'm certified in sports massage. Um, I could work for a professional, um, you know, NFL team or baseball team. I I'm qualified to do that. So I I love doing all of that information. I love working with health. So living in South Dakota is a little bit different than, of course, Maryland or Baltimore or Virginia, D.C. Um, we don't have a lot of the APSs. We um, don't have a lot of sidewalks. We, you know, some cities do, some cities don't. Um, but we have very few, very few APSs. So traveling, um, even in South Dakota, I live in Sioux Falls, and I live in the largest city of the state. And we are so far behind you guys. Um, and hopefully we'll catch up someday. Maybe, maybe not, but our sidewalks aren't always the best, but you know, it's, it's interesting to travel in South Dakota. I mean, I grew up in a very small town. Uh, now there's a couple stoplights. When I grew up, there was no stoplights. Um, eventually when I was in high school, they became a couple stop signs. So it, you know, traveling with a vision problem my whole life, has always been an interesting thing. Um, I was always pretty healthy um, growing up, um, very athletic, but my life changed. Um, my life changed drastically, especially um, back in 2015. I received, I got um, a deep vein thrombosis um, in my leg. That was the whole leg. Sometimes when you get um, a blood clot, deep vein one, usually it's just a small area. But this one was actually my whole leg. It came from my groin all the way down to my foot um, where I could have died from it. And I was mistreated at first. But now I have permanent damage. The, the clot is still there. The veins have rerouted itself. But I have to wear compression socks all the time. I'm, I'm limited in what I can do sometimes because of it. But it has not stopped me. Um, but then in 2017, my life really took a drastic turn. Uh, my husband, who is totally blind and hearing impaired, um, him and I were, were crossing a T intersection. We had the right of way. And everyone has always said that I'm one of the most cautious travelers um, for someone who's sight impaired. And I, my vision is fairly good. You know, I, I'm still considerably blind, but I have fairly good vision. And I saw this car and it was going to turn right and onto a major highway, which is one of our major streets in probably the busiest street in the whole state of South Dakota. And I started to cross and I had looked and I had noticed that he was kind of partially over this the crosswalk, but there really wasn't a crosswalk painted there. And he was turned, so I knew that he was turning right. He had to go left or right. And there was the traffic was heavy. It was like 10:30 in the morning. And we started to cross because I looked like there was no way that he could turn. The traffic looked really heavy. It didn't look like he was going to be able to pull out. We had the right away. My husband had his white cane out. And I got him on my right. So he was closest to the busy street and I was closest to the car. And as we were walking, 
as I stepped out and I was in front of the car, the car took off and I got my left foot under the, the wheel, the passenger wheel. He kept going, knocked me down, turned me over. He got both of my feet under the car. My husband, I have no idea. He went flying someplace. I flipped over the hood. Then he kept going and he dragged me out into the road, into this busy highway street and eventually stopped on top of me. I was pinned underneath the car. I was totally seconds from being beheaded. Um, The other wheel was right next to my face and head. So I have permanent damage from my back. I have major back surgeries. I have um, screws. I have major screws in my back. I have um, meshes in my back. I have permanent damage in my feet. My feet didn't even look like feet. People said that they look like hoofs. So I can't walk. I love to walk. I used to walk probably five, six miles a day or more. I Sometimes I can do that maybe nowadays. I'm lucky if I can do one or two miles. I have to wear special shoes. I can't just go and go barefoot. I can't have a lot of that stuff. I have major neuropathy, so I can't do a lot of the exercises. I've done a lot of exercises with Leslie. I work out at my home, but I've had to modify everything. And on top of that, I was working. I was running a program at a major health facility doing medical massage and doing lymphedema treatments. And my career came to an end because I have permanent damage in my hands because of it also. I couldn't continue to compete work full time because of the injuries. But I still keep going. It's hard. It's very hard. But it's I see myself if I don't then what am I gonna do? It's it's depression and it's not the way to go. So I always encourage everyone to get up and get moving. Our bodies were not made to be sedentary. So I always encourage everyone. Most of our my people in South Dakota aren't real active because of the sidewalks and not having um, APSs. So our transportation is horrible. It's getting worse than Sioux Falls. Um, so it's not real safe to travel that much in South Dakota, especially in Sioux Falls. It's, even I would say five years ago, it was probably safer, but it's not anymore. And the sad thing is our law in South Dakota protects the cars, the drivers. So the driver got nothing. He got slapped on the wrist for not yielding to a pedestrian and someone with a white cane. And that was it. No other charges, nothing. So that's why a lot of people are scared to get up and get moving, but we have to move. And I don't care if you are sedentary or very active. I used to, when I worked, I used to have anywhere from treating people with strokes, recovering from strokes. I had a lady who came in who could barely walk and no one else in the facility could help her. And so she was referred to me. Her husband had to help her turn over. She could not do anything. And by the time I got done working with her and she was walking, 
She's walking with a cane now. She's back out walking, grocery shopping. And it was a lot of work. And she did a lot of crying. But it was so inspirational to see someone who lost everything and she was able to walk. But then at the other side of the spectrum, I treated um, athletes. I treated marathon runners. I treated people who would ride bikes in competition. So I treated all different types of illnesses. And the big thing is, is that your muscles, as I've learned, and I believe this, is that muscles in your body are, is your framework. So if your muscles aren't working properly, that affects the rest of your body. And that means that you could have heart issues, you could have vascular system, you could have diabetes, everything. I mean, it, it affects everything about you. So if your muscles aren't working properly, the rest of your body is not going to work properly. And that means nutrition. So we have our five pillars. So we have our five pillars of nutrition. And I could tell you when I worked on someone, um, I could tell that they, if they ate healthy or if they ate junk food, I could tell if they were a huge pop person or if they drank water. Um, so nutrition is one of our pillars. Transportation is one of our pillars because you have to have transportation to get around, to go, to go exercise. You have to have nutrition to eat and be healthy. Then you have exercise equipment. We have to have accessible, accessible exercise equipment to be able to exercise. If it means it's in a gym or if at home, but we need to have accessible exercise equipment. And then you have to have um, accessible, doable medical equipment. If it's diabetes, you know, the pumps, or if it's talking, you know, blood pressure machines, any type of medical equipment needs to be accessible so we can have a good life. Like Just like the, the COVID testing, we have to have stuff accessible to us so we can stay healthy and know how to be, become healthy. And then you have the healthcare. So we have the healthcare system. That's our last pillar. And that covers anything from telehealth to making sure that healthcare systems are accessible to training healthcare providers. I used to train healthcare providers to make sure that they knew how to work with someone who's blind, visually impaired. I did seminars and training on that. And that's one of the things that I truly believe. And that's one thing that I'm strong about that we have to be able to help our affiliates. Each one of us needs to advocate for ourselves. So if we don't stand up and know how to do that, then we're, we're not just hurting ourselves, but we're hurting everyone else because each person who can stand up and start talking will help each other. So in DC, um, I'm doing a panel um, that I think it's going to be very inspirational that there's some personal stories. It's, pers it's members that aren't well-known, but it all starts at the local level. I have someone who has um, a severe medical condition, but that person exercises all the time. She works out with Leslie, I think five days a week. 
but she has to change what she does to get healthy, the way that she does her exercises. Um, I have someone that started in the affiliate that this person also has some health issues, but as Tony said, he's challenging you guys to be on a team, the walk team. So this affiliate came up with another idea. This person came up and I'm not going to share right now what she's doing, but she's got their affiliate going and inspiration. So each affiliate is different. So I think each affiliate, you come up with your own ideas. How is it going to work for you or your affiliate? And then the last person I have is someone um, that has challenged herself, but she's found out a, a way to track how she's challenging keeping herself. So I think that's all important. So um, Leslie's part is so important because she's, I, I know how to exercise. I, I got some of the training for, you know, um, I could do some training just like Leslie does, but she's the expert. Um, I had that background also, but you know, Leslie, I want to bring you in because do you agree that how much good movie morning, and, Connie. good morning, you know, that, that's the thing is that we are talking look, about my passion. <laughs> I know I am. So I'm just waiting to talk here with you, but yeah. And good morning, Tony. Um, and in my classes. So when we get up and get moving here in a minute, Connie and Tony and Pat, happy birthday. Um, uh, we've done this this little cute game for all my classes. We've renamed everybody. So we're going to name you Connie, Kicking Connie, because it, it starts with your name, your first initial of your name, okay? So okay. you're Kicking Connie. We're going to make okay. Tony, um, we're going to make him terrific, Tony. I'm tired, Tony. We're going <laughs> to get Pat involved, and we're going to make, make name Pat pumped up Pat since it's his birthday today. <laughs> and I think we'll make Jane jumping Jane. So. <laughs> and I'm always laughing because I am always just laughing, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm laughing. It never changes for me, but the, the person you were speaking about, um, I, I am in awe of her inspirational. I'm so excited. She's going to be on a panel. She has been coming to my classes since Cindy Hollis asked me to start teaching on the community for the whole two years. Um, she's missed, you know, once in a while, but she's all bundled up from her, her health issues. And, and it's challenged me as an instructor because I'm, I'm a certified personal trainer and certified aerobics instructor. Aqua, I've got it all. But I have never taught to somebody that has been so medically um, bundled up like this. And so it's challenged me and it's made me think out of my box for her and other people that cannot do the moves as well as, as, as we all can do in life. And, and it doesn't take much guys. I'm telling you, all you have to do is snap your fingers, clap your hands. You know, we're all excited all the time, you know, just sit there and clap your hands. You're, you're working your shoulders guys. As you clap your hands, you know, you snap your fingers. Um, you tap your toes. So it's, it's a lot of fun. You know, you don't have to do much, right? Kicking. That's right. You just, you know, get that little heart rate going a little bit, you know, any type of, you know, tapping and clapping and moving and shaking your head and 
you know, yeah. anything is just going to get that heart going. And that's what and we I, want. I think, I think I got a challenge to terrific Tony since he's, he's a borderline diabetic. Now I think he should come to my happy hour cardio on Friday at three 30. <laughs> I'll put it in my calendar. There you that, go. That, there that, you that's go. You, you definitely get a, a workout with that one. You know, I've gone to a few of her classes and you, um, yeah, come on, Tony. Come on, perfect, Tony. You, you, you'll you'll get a workout. Yes. <laughs> All right. The gauntlet's been thrown. And, and if you can't start there because that's cardio and that's too much, you can start with easy chair yoga pumped up. You know. There you go. So I'm, I'm throwing all these that. challenges to you guys because it doesn't take much. And you know what? If I call Kicken and say, hey, Kicken, you want to go work out with me today, even when I'm not teaching, um, because I'm a crazy person and I work out all day long, unfortunately, you know, which drives Dan crazy. So, and I've got him get, you know, getting up and get moving because I'm like, let's go for a walk. You've been on those zoom calls too long and you've been sitting on that booty way too long. So you need to get off that duff and go walking with me. So yeah, when know. Dan calls me and he's getting his walk in. That's right. That's <laughs> right. There you go. So, you know, if you can't start, you know, a lot, um, get a buddy. You don't have to come to my class. I love for you all to come to my class. I make the challenge to Maryland, you know, one of you or two of you. I've heard a couple of you on my calls and, um, you know, come to chair yoga, come to resistance. I have different classes each day. Um, Wednesday, we now have advanced it to we're on the stability balls, which is so much fun. Um, Allison that was on hosting last hour, I just heard her with Janine on amazing Allison. She's, she's a hoot on the ball and we laugh so much and we're falling off the balls and it's just just a a good time. You know, you think exercising, everybody goes, Oh, I've got to go exercise. Oh no. You know, what am I going to do today? Oh, am I going to do it? No, I got to put up the Christmas tree. I've got to go to lunch with my friend. I've got to go shopping, you know, or maybe do my hair and nails. Well, if you just take a little time while you're brushing your teeth and stand on one leg, you're exercising. You know, hey, I exercised today. I did. I did stood on one leg while I was brushing my teeth. You know, are you you call kicking and say, hey, we're going to go walking today. (laughs) I ride my bike, you know, um, together. The journey is so different for everybody. It's different for kicking. It's different for terrific. It's different for pumped up Pat over there or me, you know, where I'm a crazy person. But you know what? To get started, it's each and everyone's own journey. Everyone has their own journey. And get a buddy. I can't say this enough. Get a buddy. It helps tremendously. I will call Connie and say, hey, you want to ride today and we'll be on the zoom and it's, you know, 30 minutes has gone by. We're like, wow, you know, and that might be, might be enough for you at one day or, you know, don't, don't start off doing 30 minutes, start off doing five, you know, say to, um, you know, say to Jane jumping over there, Hey, I'm going to, um, we're going to get on the bike today. And, um, but you know what? I don't feel good today, Jane, um, jumping and, it's going to be five minutes for me today. You know, I'm, I'm just not feeling it, but you've done the five minutes, you know, and then the next day you call pumped up Pat and jumping Jane and you got kicking and we're going to move it up to 10 minutes, you know? So it doesn't matter what you do as long as you get up, if you can and get your body moving, right? Kicking. 
exactly it. I mean, that's just it. I mean, so I just went through a lot of medical stuff, you know, this past fall and, you know, I had to start slow. I mean, I used to do it all the time and now it's like, oh, five minutes or 10 minutes, you know, getting back into it. So, but I love the buddy thing. I mean, I, like Leslie said, the buddy, her and I, you know, it's, it's the best thing It's having someone to just be there with you and, and support you. You know, and you can talk or whatever and laugh and the time goes by so fast. Oh, my God. Yesterday we had the subject on the cardio. (laughs) So here's me. I am very, very time challenged. I will tell everybody this. I am so time challenged. So we're talking and talking and all of a sudden because I'm on my elliptical and it stops after 30 minutes because that's what we do for our cardio. Now, you don't have to stay the whole 30 minutes. You can come in and go out. So my my elliptical stops. I said, "Okay, guys, we're done. So, you know, once you start talking with your buddies and you're working out, it goes by so quick, you know. It does. It does. So, Leslie, you know, um, I think we should have you lead us in some, you know, they've been sitting here all morning. They started, you know, pretty early. Um, Okay. You know, so I think you should do some stretches. Stretches that, you know, this is what I, you know, did when I was working. But, you know, this is stuff that you can do. While you're zooming, while you're watching TV, right? This is some yeah. of the stuff I think that Leslie's going to teach us, or show us, or encourage us. So especially since they've been zooming all morning, let's let's get them okay. Let's their heart get, going a little bit. Sure, let's get it going. So you can stay in your chair, or if you'd like to stand and you have no balance issues, you can stand also. But your feet are going to be shoulder width apart. That means they're not together. So take your right foot out to three o'clock, your left foot out to nine o'clock. And you're right at shoulder width apart. Your abdominals, which used to be our stomachs, we don't call stom- our stomach stomach anymore. We say abdominal or core. So if you learn, if you don't learn anything else from me today, you learn that it's your core, not your stomach anymore. So think about your apple core. You're sucking that in, so it's nice and contracted. Your shoulders are back, so no zoom slouching. Inhale, arms up over our head. Inhale through the nose, and then you're going to exhale, bring your arms back down towards your sides and blow out those candles, as my good friend Terry says. So you're going to inhale, arms up overhead. Exhale, blow out your candles. Arms come back down to your sides. Nice and slow. Don't plop them down. Pump up. <laughs> inhale, arms up. No zoom cheating. Exhale, <laughs> nice and slow. Thanks for the we're going to keep our arms up, palms together, so your arms are completely straight over your head by each ear. Palms are together. Fingertips are spread, but they're together. So all five fingers are together like we do in our pillar. We're going to lean over to the right, but keep your butt on the chair if you're in the chair. If you're standing, don't fall over. <laughs> Feel the left side of your waist, which is your oblique. And this is our windshield wipers. I don't know what kind of weather you're having, but we're having sunshine weather here in Florida. Yeah. We're going to exhale to the center, inhale to the left. I know you guys might be having some sleet and snow, so we're doing the windshield wipers for y'all. <laughs> exhale back to the center, so blow out those candles. Good. Inhale to the right. Remember, you're feeling your waist. You're keeping your butt and your hips on the chair. Your feet are shoulder-width apart, and you're keeping your core tight. Exhale center. You're saying, guys, this is a lot to remember, Leslie. <laughs> don't 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 worry and you have to smile too exhale center <laughs> inhale to the right. 
See, I told you exercise is fun. Exhale, center. Inhale to the left. Okay, exhale, center. Now, take your hands apart and act like you have a ball in your hands. You have this little ball in your hands. We're going to twist to the right. So you're warming up your back, which is your spinal. Exhale, center. Inhale to the left. Don't go too far back. So don't hurt your back. You just want to feel that nice stretch in the back. Yes, everybody? That's you're supposed to answer. Exhale, center. Oh. <laughs> Inhale to the right. I know you guys are probably all mute. So exhale, center. So if you come to my class, we're very verbal. Inhale, twist to the left. Exhale, center. Inhale, twist to the right. And then exhale, center. Now bring your arms down because we're saying, woo! We're going to roll our shoulders because we are on. We sit all day and we're on the computer now every day. So bring your shoulders towards your ears. Roll them back and down towards your hips, your hands. So bring your shoulders towards your ears. Roll them back towards your shoulders and down towards your hips. Bring your shoulders up towards your ears. Roll them back and down. So bring your shoulders up like you're mad. Roll them back and relax them. We're not mad anymore. We're happy. We're in Maryland. The convention's going on. Up back and down. Yay. So up shoulders back and down. One more guys up shoulders back and down. Now keep your shoulders relaxed. This is going to feel funky because we normally sit with our shoulders up towards our ears. Like we're mad all the time. You want to relax, bring your right ear towards your right shoulder. So you're going to feel a nice stretch in the left part of the neck. Now it's not going towards the, to the shoulder. It's going towards, I don't want anybody to say later, my neck hurts. You just want to feel a nice stretch down that neck on the left side. We're going to inhale through the nose. As you exhale, drop your chin in towards your chest and look at your right. So you're going to look at your right shoe. Feel the stretch go down the the back of the neck and breathe in. And then as you exhale, take your right ear back towards your shoulder. Inhale here through the nose. Exhale back to center and blow out those candles. Good. Inhale, left ear to left shoulder. Remember, it's just going towards that shoulder, not getting it. You're not getting your ear to your shoulder. You're feeling nice stretch in the right side of the neck, sitting up nice and tall, feet are planted on the floor, your butt's in the chair, your abs are tight, and you're smiling. Chop your chin in towards your chest, look at your shoe. Feel it go all the way down. about the smiling part. Yes. Yeah. Smiling's great. Should be smiling since it's your birthday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bring your left ear back towards your shoulder. Inhale here. And then exhale, blow out. The- Let's do one more thing. Inhale, arms up. You're going to take your hands together. If you're standing, be very careful. If you're seated, be very careful. Also, we're just going to lean back a little bit. Keep your feet flat on the floor. I love this stretch. It's called the back bend. See, you guys are doing back bends again. Yay. You're going to feel the core. I hope so. Keep your feet planted on the floor. Your feet are going to want to come up. That's the hard part. Good. And exhale. Bring your hands to your heart. This is called mountain pose in yoga. So your hands are together. Your elbows are out to nine and three. And your thumbs rest into your heart chakra, which is your breastbone. I know you guys are being recorded. That's my other thing. <laughs> I am. I have to be politically correct. <laughs> I'm being recorded. <laughs> um, let's do one more stretch. 
we're going to get our hamstrings. So take your right heel out in front of you. Your left foot still planted on the floor. You're still nice and tall in your abdominals. You're going to lean from your hips. So don't lean down. See how my voice changes? That means my chest is towards my quad, which is the top part of your leg. You want to lean out from your hips and butt, guys. So you really feel that back leg, which is your hamstring. Good. Breathe in. And then exhale. Bring that leg back to 12 o'clock. Bring your left leg out in front of you so you're on your left heel. And then lean from those hips and butt. Feel that lumbar spine, which is your lower spine. Breathe in. And blow out the candles. Good job, guys. So that's just a little bit of a couple of stretches you all can do. Um, you know, more. So come to some of my classes. Um, we, we are getting up and getting moving. Um, I do want to tell you we've done a couple of PR events. Uh, Terry Suarez is my co-chair um, with the PR pillar for Get Up and Get Moving. And we had a dance party last October for White Cane Safety Day. So stay tuned. I'm sure we'll have our second annual one. And we'd love to have Marilyn involved. So, uh, Connie, back to you. Kicking. All right. Thank Thanks. Kicking. Um, I just want to mention. I want to mention that the other many members are um, my partner with the advocacy is Amanda Selm. And then we have Dan Dillon with um, kind of with the campaign with the raising money, but we all work together. So that's, that's the big thing is that we're one big happy committee and we, we want to work together and going back to the affiliates and stuff. We're here as um, a committee, but we want, to work with other affiliates. We want to work with the committees. So um, that's the huge thing is that working together, that's how we're going to make this successful. So a lot of the information from one, say diabetes goes to, you know, maybe Jeff Tom's group with the AAVL, you know, so it's just, it, it all works together. So we need to work together and we need to start on the affiliate local part and being there for each other but that's where it starts is on the 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 local affiliate stuff and going forward but we're here not to tell you what to do and how to do it for you for what maryland is going to be right for maryland or virginia or dc it's going to be we're here to help guide you and um do what we can do to help get you guys up and get moving and make it ever all better for you guys Thank you, Connie. Good. And thank you to this panel. I um, want to see if we have any questions. Tony, first, thank you. I want to make sure that we uh, put a Maryland team together for that walk. I think we'll take that challenge. I already got I some emails, Maryland. so thanks, everyone. Yeah. Good. I think we can do that. Uh, do we have any hands raised? Um, just one comment. Um, since Go ahead. Uh, we talked about the buddy system, and um, I have, I, I know that if it was up to me by myself, I wouldn't do it. Um, and I, I don't even go on Leslie's classes anymore because I just don't, I don't, I'm not motivated enough. We miss you but jumping. I know jumping. <laughs> I know. But the thing is now I have a fitness instructor who comes to my house. So there's nothing I can do about it. I can't say I don't feel like doing it today. Um, she comes to my house and then there's another friend who's blind who comes also and our fitness instructor, the torturer, 
um, comes and works with us <laughs> twice a week. That's and, our names. If that yeah, is yeah, truly our torturer. names, and we love them. So yes. we have mats, and we have balls, and we have a bozu ball that we stand on as a half ball, and we turn it upside down so the rounded part is is down, and we stand on it, and we jog. Uh, and we have weights and we have bands and we have all sorts of implements of destruction and, and we have a great time and, and I can't not do it because they come to my house. So, and that's a really wonderful way to do it. Um, because, um, I'm between that and my intermittent fasting, I'm, I'm down like 10 pounds from when I started. Congratulations. This is very cool. There you go. Exercise is a wonderful thing. And Jane, the thing, the thing about you saying that the instructor coming to you, yes, that, that helps immensely. Um, when I own my own gym, you know, they, they came to my fitness center and I would call them if they didn't come, you know, Mm -hmm. Hey, where are you today? And then they'd be coming by and then, you know, and they'd feel guilty and then they have to do it. Oh, you have to right? yeah, make them good. feel guilty. That's because it's so doing. easy to talk yourself out yeah. of things. Otherwise, we talk about you. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, and, that, and Pat, that's the other thing. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, please. And then I wanted to make a local pitch too. I would, go ahead, I was just gonna say that, you know, like even like yesterday, I was really working and you know, I have a husband, so he, and he loves to work out. So he's like, you really need to take that time. So again, it's like someone that's at your house or someone is encouraging, you know, that really makes a difference because he's like, you really need to take that time to do it, you know? And actually Pat called me during my workout. So he can testify that I, I got pushed uh, to work out for a while. So yeah. sorry, Tom, Tony. Do you have time for any questions? Tony had a pitch. Well, I just got, I just got a pitch if, if there's no other questions. Um, are there any questions? And then I'll just, just take 30 seconds. I see that, I see that Sandra has her. Sandra? Yeah. Hey, Sandra. She could be sweet Sandra. Hi, Tony. Um, amazing panel, guys. It is always good to hear you present, Tony. Um, you are incredibly dynamic. So I have not heard. And Leslie, wow. I, I'm going to start joining your classes, too. Yay! No- <laughs> you just brought a smile to my face yes ma'am i will be there um connie i've never heard you present and you are fabulous as well um a quick question so if we know that diabetes diabetic retinopathy is one of the primary causes of blindness and vision loss and people of color are disproportionately impacted what has what has the um, get up and get moving? What specific things has get up and get moving done to target people of color so that we get the information? We start actually, you know, participating because I think everything you said is true. But then, yeah. I just want to know so, what exactly has been done um, to reach out to our communities. So the campaign is just now getting up and, and getting moving itself, right? Um, I know we need to probably work with the Multicultural Affairs Committee, uh, with, with you know you all, but I know you're engaged with that. Um, on the grant side, we are looking into grants um, to help support you know the effort that recently has gone on with the translation into Spanish language. Um, so we're looking into grant funding to help support um, the Spanish speaking so that we can get a lot of the public information and wellness uh, engaged. 
uh, with terms of uh, the health, the public information, you know, if it's information on health and wellness, nutrition, and things like that, make sure that stuff's getting translated uh, for the Latina community. Um, in terms of working with our corporate partners, we're working a lot in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space um, and working our way in that. Um, it is still early, so there's not a lot of visibility. I think, Sandra, what would be wonderful is as we begin to move towards our in-person events, is getting more, um, you know, that intersectionality within our organization and membership. And I know you and others uh, and, and uh, the work going on, like with the, the Spanish language stuff as well. I think I heard Cachet's name mentioned earlier uh, and Gabe uh, Cafate uh, with, you know, Blind Pride International, but also helping with Spanish and uh, all the folks working in that community as well. Uh, we have a couple of members as well that are indigenous uh, that lead some of our affiliates, uh, you know, uh, representing indigenous peoples here in the, in the U.S. So obviously we want to engage with those. Um, so to answer Tony, your question, Sandra, I mean, we're still early, but obviously this is the opportunity where we're making the invitation. So reach out to us so we can make sure your, your voice is being heard and, uh, in that space. And Tony, it's Leslie. Sorry. Um, we also, mm-hmm. I, I did not say we have a Facebook page, Sandra. So please join our Facebook page. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. We, we are building um, the platform and we know specifically, Sandra, that we need the voices from those communities to speak. So we're working to build that platform. And we need help with folks like yourself and others that are that are closely aligned and tied to those communities uh, to help us get the word out so we can we can pass the mic on. Because I, I agree, um, you know, even though I'm borderline myself with type two, um, you know, I, I am well, not I am of the personally, population. Totally. I am absolutely glad. Um, and, you know, we can talk about it further offline, but I'm yeah. more than happy to um, assist in whatever way possible, because. I know that diabetes does impact my community disproportionately. And yet when I see ACB, when I participate in ACB things, I'm not seeing me too often. And that's problematic. Well, and that, and that, that gets into all other issues of the challenges that we're a volunteer run organization. And sometimes True. volunteerism <laughs> alone, I know in other nonprofits I'm in uh, on the board for oh. Um, you know, that's an issue we face on a large scale. And I had a, I had a pitch for a local thing, but go ahead. This is Connie. And, you know, Sandra, so South Dakota, indigenous is extremely popular. And that's even, diabetes is even higher in that population than in your population. So it's, it's important for all populations. But um, in South Dakota, we have the most indigenous population. We have all different cultures and and things, but that's why I, I was mentioning affiliates, communities, the committees need to reach out to each other. That's how we are going to work together, and that's how we learn together. So, like Tony said, we're in we're in the beginning of stages, but it's all going to take time, and everyone has to reach out and work together. So and, it goes and we're that platform to make sure we have the voices. Go ahead. Honey, let her know how she can get involved with our Facebook page. I'm not. That's not my forte. I, I, I do follow it, but uh, <laughs> yeah, do tell because I, yeah, this is my first time hearing about Yeah, it's, just, I mean, it's know, get up and yeah. get moving on Facebook. Um, okay. And we can, we can post on our own Facebook in the community feed. I will, now that I've given the keys because Kelly Gask is going on maternity leave, um, I'll make sure we post on those pages a link to the get up and get moving Facebook page so people can join that page. Mm-hmm. So if you're not already on Facebook, um, tune into that. And maybe okay. we can put it in dots and dashes as well as a reminder for folks. So, stay, you know, those that get our weekly, uh, bi-weekly dots and dashes email, we'll make sure in the next iteration we have a link to that as well. The time the police is going to be rearing its ugly head now. Yeah. Right. The, uh, Tony, you had a pitch. Seconds. 
It's yeah. 30 seconds. Anybody that's in Maryland, you want to get up and get moving, maybe walking's not for you. I'm on the board of directors for the Downtown Sailing Center here on Baltimore Harbor. I usually live on a boat, but I've had my heat went out, so I'm sublet an apartment so I get my boat fixed. Um, I'm on a 45-foot sloop down on the marina by the Baltimore Museum of Industry. If you're interested, we have an adaptive sailing program. I'm looking to get a blind cohort of sailors, a blind and visually impaired cohort of sailors together because we do events that are free all through the summer. Um, and as the weather gets warmer, I'd love to be finding some other sailors. It's great upper body exercise. You end up, oh, you, yeah. you might just think there, you just sit there and just feel the breeze and the water <laughs> splashing and it was fun to get out on the water on the Baltimore Harbor. And even some adventurous ones, we go beyond the uh, key bridge and go out into the bay. Um, but you know, shoot me an email, astevens at acb.org. If maybe you're interested in being a part of a movement out on the water. And I love to take, we have people come from Pennsylvania and Virginia. Uh, all the way to Baltimore Harbor to do sailing with us. Um, but I'm on the board there and we have an adaptive sailing program and I'd love to get more blind and visually impaired uh, sailors involved on the harbor. I'm here jealous. It's, it's a lot of fun. Huh. So. I know. I, 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 I'm jealous too. I'll, I'll take jealous. you out. I'll, I'll Come to Baltimore. Take you out that, the water. That, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's what um, I'm thinking. I might, I might be coming, Tony. Hey, Tony, I, I could know. be coming up. Yeah. I'm jealous. <laughs> I just want to say, I, I know our time is up, but I see that we have a couple more hands. So if they um, want to email us or reach out to us, um, you know, me or any or group or whatever, for your questions or comments, feel free to do that too. And I just want to say, if you're not getting the calendar, go to community. Org, and you'll get the whole weekly calendar from Cindy Hollis. So it's community at acb.org. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Thanks everybody. Thanks Pat. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you everyone Thank you. for having us. Thank you. Thank you.